Good to get to Friday. It really, really, really is. Uh, Mark Stein did a great job filling in for Rush today, leading into the show. Appreciate that. Coming up Monday, I think uh, El Rushbo will be back on the air. Be his first day here on 101.1 FM, The Answer. And Rush uh, and uh, the folks uh, from the EIB network will be here their new home at 1011 FM, The Answer. Typically, I don't say anything about competing stations, but today I have to say something about the complete, utter bullpucky that was put out over in the afternoon yesterday about why Rush isn't on the station he used to be on. Folks, let, let's just call uh, the truth here. And it is Cumulus didn't want to pay the amount of money that it took to keep Rush on their station. It is that simple. And their loss is our gain. And they can cry sour grapes all they want to. Just being honest with you. And to blame kind of in in a backhanded way that their that their advertisers didn't want to be on the rush show which is in fact saying to everybody that their salespeople couldn't sell the number one show in america on their station i think is you know just taking a, a terrible shot at your sales staff to be honest i mean seriously if you can't sell the number one show they wouldn't keep you keep you employed, to be honest. And I know most of the salespeople over there. I got to, to know them over the many years that I worked at that station. And they're good people and they're hardworking salespeople. And then let me clear one last thing up. They were taking a shot at that, well, we're 50,000 watts with a very low antenna, okay? Where Where's the antenna for KARN out there, uh, uh, Zach? Is it Redfield? Is that the area that they're at? I think that that's right. They don't have a lot of, a lot of height on their antenna, which has a direct correlation to how far you broadcast. Yes, we don't have as much power as KARN. But our antenna sits on, you know, television antenna hill out there on Chennault. Way up there on the hill. And we get way out there to Conway, Greenbrier, all those areas. Now, some of you that go to uh, to the south... That used to get us when we were at 96.5. You don't get us any longer because our signal, as directed by the FCC, the government, 
is not allowed to be broadcast that way. And we have what's called baffles and things of that nature on the antenna to make us comply with what the government says that we can broadcast to. So we're doing that. And for the people who are saying, well, why don't you guys just turn up your power? You can't do it that way. It doesn't work that way. Now, we could turn up the power and then get hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of fines because suddenly we would be blowing into other radio station signals and things, and it would not be a good thing to do. And so you do what the FCC tells you you can do. But the government tells us that we get, our license allows us to broadcast in a certain configuration, and that's what we do. For you who are upset because we're not 100,000 watts, because there are people that at the old station I used to work with used to be upset that, well, why are you guys just 50,000? Why aren't you 100,000? Well, same reason why we're not 50,000. It's because the FCC tells you how how much power you can use. And uh, that's what your license covers. And so here's the key. No, we're not uh, 50. We're not 100,000. But we cover the uh, area that we uh, need to cover for uh, our, uh, well, to be able to, to be measured, let's put it that way, by Nielsen. So we cover the Pulaski County, Faulkner County, Saline County, and uh, Lono County areas. And you can get them in some areas. We get out of that a little bit because of our power, and you might hear us somewhere else in another uh, another uh, county. I mean, Garland County picks us up in some areas. Does every radio station cover every square inch of the uh, the, the area that they uh, broadcast to, the answer to that is no. does not happen. When I was at KARN, I used to complain constantly that if you were on 440, as you came up to I-30, you couldn't hear us. There was all kinds of uh, distortion and everything. It would go out. It's just the way it is. Just we have some areas like that, too. It's because of the way the signal falls. So I'm just, I'm just, I'm giving you the truth here. I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you here, this is the truth of the matter. It's the 21st century. You can pick us up on the app. Go to your Play Store. Download our app. Is the app under us or is it under Salem, Zach? It's under us. Okay, so just look for 101.1 FM, the answer. Download that app. You can listen to any of our shows any place, at any time uh, on that app over your phone. And that's part of the 21st century. It's the same way you can watch the show, as many of you are doing right now, on Facebook. We weren't doing that five years ago. We weren't doing that two and a half years ago. I think we just started that, what, it's been a little over one and a half years. We've tried before that, but we run into some problems. Uh because uh, the Wi-Fi wouldn't configure with the cameras that we had. But now with the Mevo system that we use, uh, we can get out and get to you. And a lot of people like that. And people watch not only here in our Little Rock area, listeners, 
but also watch all over the United States. I mean, we get calls from California. We get calls from uh, Florida, Texas, Alabama, all over the place. They want to be part of the show and be part of the conversation. So, you know, you just got to, there's so many different ways now that you can listen to the show. Use one or the other. If you if you can't get the signal of the radio station, then get it uh, on a you know a different uh, platform. That's why we, you know, went out and bought the equipment to be able to put us on all those different platforms. But enough about that. Here on a Friday, fun Friday. Although I, I brought Ed Monk in, so it can't be too much fun. He's a West Point graduate. Kicked my butt if I say something wrong. Uh, is here in the studio today. I've asked him to come on because, you know, his is last resort firearm training. gives private lessons, does uh, concealed carry uh, classes. Uh, they work with uh, police departments and all kinds of stuff. They work with uh, churches, and that's what I wanted to talk to him about today. Uh, it, it's been, what, a week as of Sunday? Is that what it was that uh, the shooting occurred in Texas? Last Sunday morning. Okay. So it's been just about a week, and uh, Ed can get in here today, and I've have, had him come in. What here? But before I do that, let me play something from a, a Democratic candidate. Play cut number. Uh, uh, well, this is stuff from yesterday, but I think it's cut eleven with Elizabeth Warren. Play cut eleven for us. Senator Steve from Plymouth. Nice to see you, Steve. Good to see you. Last week, there was a, uh, another church shooting. Oh. And the only thing that saved the rest of the congregation were the other two people who there who shot and took out the uh, shooter. Would you support a universal carry, concealed carry law for everyone in the country who's willing to be licensed and checked by the government? No. two more things about the data, because I think they're important, and I appreciate that you, you asked this question. The first part is, I'd say that the reason those people were injured was because somebody came into that church with a gun, and that that's how it is that people got hurt in the first place. The second thing is, I don't think there's any data to suggest that universal concealed carry makes any of us any safer. That's I a don't lie. feel safer going to my church, knowing somebody could be sitting next to me with weapons. I don't feel safer going to the mall, knowing that some fight that ordinarily might have escalated into a little push and shove could escalate into everybody whips out weapons. I don't feel any safer. But I will say this. We've got a gun violence problem in America. There you go. That's Elizabeth Warren. And all those people that were cheering what she said about when she said no, no universal carry or anything like that, they're cheering that they can't protect themselves. And that no one else close by can protect them. That's correct. Absolutely. So what do you, number one, I'm just telling you, that is a big piece of hog dung uh, that she dropped on you and said there's no facts showing that concealed carry protects people. I'll just, let me just give you a name. Look up his books, read them. John Lott, L-O-T-T, John Lott. Read his books. 
and uh, and it's got more facts in it than you can ever refute about how crime goes down as concealed uh, carry goes up. Go ahead, Ed. I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, well, I mean, lots of numbers, guy, and that, that's what I do when I go and talk about this. Uh, I, you know, I am a gun guy. I am a mostly right leaning uh, politically, but. When I talk about active shooter stuff, it's driven by math and numbers, which is not left or right. It's not religious. It's not emotional. And that's what you just heard from Senator Warren. She said, I don't feel safe when someone next to me could be carrying a gun in church. It's all about feelings. It's not about data and thinking. Uh, The numbers are just so clear on this. Uh, And everybody will agree that the solution to the problem is somebody with a gun, even like her. I don't want anybody sitting next to me in the church with a gun. Well, if you're sitting in that church with nobody near you with a gun and someone comes in there with a gun to attack you, any people that survive the initial shooting will be frantically screaming into their phone, please, 911 operator, please send us somebody here that has a gun to shoot this nutcase that's in here shooting us. Everybody realizes the solution that will best stop this is a good person with a gun. The question is math and time. Do you want them in that room with you so they can stop it in five and a half seconds like what happened last Sunday? Or do you want them 10 minutes away to where they can get there within 10 minutes after it starts? And so the difference is do you have two innocent people shot or 50 or 60 innocent people shot? It's just about the numbers and it's just about math. And a lot of people can't get beyond that. Yeah, because... They don't feel like that's truthful. Yep. I don't care what your feelings are. Facts trump feelings all the time. And if if we never had concealed carry in this country, if we if sit arm, if citizens could not go about armed, if nobody but the cops and the outlaws could have guns, then it at least you could understand people saying, "Well, I think this would be the result if we allowed it to happen," because. In my hypothetical situation, it's never happened before. Never happened before. But we've got decades and decades of 40 states in the country that have concealed carry for any law-abiding adult that wants it. And the numbers are just there. No armed citizen has ever caused a problem during an active shooter event. Never. Not one. And several have stopped active shooters is just what happened Sunday. And in fact, according to an interview by the Jack Wilson uh, the churchgoer who did stop the the evil active shooter, he said there was 20 to 22 armed churchgoers in that service. And what happened when a nutcase pulled a shotgun and tried to murder a bunch of people? Uh, none of those 20 to 22 armed citizens acted wildly or irrationally, shot wildly or irrationally, misidentified anybody. Everybody acted correctly. What the left always says will happen. I mean, if something like that happens... There would be all kinds of innocent people shot by the people who have But it's never firearms. happened. I now, agree. Now, police have shot the wrong people four times. Armed citizens have never shot the wrong person. But you, you, it would be almost impossible to find someone to say the cops shouldn't be carrying the guns. In fact, that's what Bloomberg said. Only cops should carry guns and decide who, who should be shot. And I've said it on your show before, but you probably know, but I'm sure some of your listeners don't. There have been only, that I, in my research, only two police officers have been killed responding to active shooters. And the thing that both of those police officers have in common is they were shot by other law enforcement officers. The only two cops killed, several of them have been shot, several brave cops have been shot doing the right thing 
uh, responding to an active shooter. But only two of them have died, and what they both have in common is they were both accidentally shot by other law enforcement. Friendly fire. Um, so there's there's no data. It's a hundred percent success rate when armed citizens are present and act aggressively to stop an active shooter. We have a hundred percent success rate, and whether you're Republican or Democrat or don't care, uh, a, a, a devout Catholic or an atheist or don't care, uh, gay straight or don't know, it doesn't matter. The math simply shows if you look at math and don't look at emotion or politics, the the way to keep the numbers down. The number of innocent people shot when one of these active shooters starts is somebody who's present. And by present, I mean they're close enough to hear or see it. They're present, they're armed, and they're willing to act. That's what matters. All right. We're going to come back from our break, and uh, I'll start peppering Ed with some questions about what you should do in your church to deal with if someone walked in and sat down and was wearing a fake beard and a wig and had a shotgun under their coat and suddenly pulled it out in the service and shot somebody uh what uh, should happen what would happen at your service i can tell you where i go to church there's several people that are armed and they train on what to do but i also want to talk about is there a way to keep armed people that aren't or 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 out to do something bad in your church from getting into your church and i'll talk about that too because the best place to keep somebody like that is outside the church and there's ways of things to do that can help you identify those people before they ever walk through the doors we're going to talk about all of that here on the dave ellswick show stay with us you got a question eight two three oh nine six five eight two three oh nine six five that's our number and uh, we'll be happy to uh, to talk to you right here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you. Uh, from time to time, I get emails, I get texts, and there, and uh, people say, "Hey, Dave, uh, your your Facebook Live isn't working. What's the first thing they should do, Zach, if they have that problem? Refresh their page because I'm constantly watching myself, and you know." We're not having any problems. No, no issues. Okay. So, so refresh, refresh the page. Your page. Yeah, and um, it could be also, you know, where they are. And it could be determined by their internet service, if it's good or not. It's just various factors that factor into the issue that, you know, you know, maybe sometimes you just have to simply refresh the page. Typically, that is the, the answer to the, the problem. Right. We found that to be the case. All right. So keep that in mind. Just refresh your page. And uh, if you uh, continue to have problems, send me a text or send me an email. And then what? You know, I'm going to tell you what I do, just what I just did. I, uh, during a break or while somebody else is talking, I turn my mic off and I've got a two-way talk back that I can get on and, and speak with Zach. And I go, hey, we had a problem with the, uh, the Facebook Live. And he's sitting there, like he said, he's sitting over there watching it. And if he's seeing it, then something is wrong on your end, just so you know. All right, back with you. We just got about a minute and a half before we get to the news. We went long in that last segment, just so you know. But Ed Monk is here. Ed, I I have read, and I know that they do some training at uh, my church with the people who are on the security team. If you should have people not only inside but also 
outside watching the people coming in, correct? you got one minute, and then we'll pick it up after the news. Yes, and I cover this in my presentations, the parking lot. Now, yeah, this last Sunday was an exception, but most big church shootings, of course, Sunday wasn't a big church shooting because it was stopped quickly, but most big church shootings start in the parking lot. So not only watching them as they come in the door, but I tell churches, you have to have people uh, – in the parking lot spread out so they can watch the parking lot because a lot of them start shooting out there in the parking lot. If we can identify him and stop him in the parking lot, we'll save a lot of lives and not let him come into the church where there's more people. Yeah, and we'll talk about this in a moment because it's really important that the people that are in the parking lot, if they see somebody that looks maybe a little nefarious, just saying, hey, how you doing? Welcome to the church, and, and you approach them may, you know, short-circuit a potential shooting. We'll talk about that when we come back. All right, Ed Monk is my special guest here today uh, for a couple hours, and Tim Lim's going to be in, Mark Pellegrini's going to be in, I think Shane Stacks is going to contact us, and we're going to talk a little bit about what were some of our favorite movies of 2019 and what are we looking forward to see in uh, 2020. I'll tell you a little pre-news here. If you've seen the Quiet Place Part 2 trailer, I can't wait. I cannot wait to see. I know, Zach, you've seen it, right? That is just freaking awesome. I mean, come on. The way she's driving in the car in reverse. Oh, with the with the bus? With the bus yeah. coming? That's and, just and frightening. It, you got to watch that close because you see the alien I crawling did. out of it. I saw it. <laughs> it's, it's a great... looks like it's going to be a great movie. So, I mean... Uh, Quiet Place caught everybody off guard, did huge box office. I got to believe that the weekend it opens, it's sometime in March, uh, it's going to be big in the theaters. It really is. I'm looking forward next week to seeing 1917. I really want to see Me that. Me too. About World War One. Not enough movies have been made about World War One. That was a brutal conflict. It really, really was. I agree with Not that. Not a conflict. It was a war. All right. And, and you, even when you, you weren't, with me on that? oh yeah, and even when you weren't in active combat in trench, just living in the trenches just sucked. It was yeah, just well, yeah, disease and wet, and uh, better just, have your gas mask. Yep, that whole thing with chlorine gas, but people don't realize that it kill you when you breathe it, but it burned the living tar out of you. That and mustard gas, both just touching your skin. Yep. If lot, you were sweating, you're gonna burn. A lot of new military technology came about. Uh, and was put in use in World War One. Machine gun. Tanks. Yeah. yeah. Two of the big ones. Indirect fire artillery, barbed wire, radio transmissions. Airplanes. Yep. Bombs from the air. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. All right. Enough of that. We could sit. We could, I'm telling you, we could do a whole show just on that. But we want to talk to you more about this whole thing with churches. And let's go back to what we were discussing, and that is the best way to keep any kind of active shooter from terrorizing your church is to not let them get inside your church. Correct. And and again, a lot of the big ones started in the parking lot, so have people out there. And when I work with armed church teams, when they come out, you know, everybody's a little different. So if you've got, if, if they bring a 10-man team out, and you're by far the best long-range shooter and I, on the team, and I am by far the weakest shooter on the team, you need to be the parking lot guy, not me, because you have a bigger chance of a long-range shot out there. Put me somewhere, the foyer, put me somewhere where there's more likely a close-range shot. 
Churches are just targets. Churches attract bad things. And again, when I give these presentations, and churches know this, churches get mentally ill people. They get domestic uh, disputes between couples. They get theft. They get robbery. They get religious extremists and zealots. And, and, and sometimes combinations of these, which is what they got last Sunday. So churches attract. And what, what do churches say? All churches say, when you have hit rock bottom, when Come you have us. hit the worst, now we'll take you if you're rich and happy too, but yeah. when you hit rock bottom, come to us. That's what churches say, so they, they understand. We accept you the way That's right. you are. And we will help you. And that it just, it just a certain small percentage is going to attract problems, and churches know that. So when I talk to them, I'm by no means a church security expert. Uh, my, 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 the area I've done most of my study is specifically on the active shooter. So I tell them the active shooter is the catastrophic worst security problem but it is probably not the most likely security problem for them. The most likely are the other less catastrophic things. Right. But the key is you have to be prepared for the worst so you can take care of the least. Yes. And, and if you mess up taking care of the least, it probably doesn't mean 30 of your people shot. That's right. Um, you, can, you can be imperfect. You can slip up. You can make mistakes on the other things that don't cost 30 people their lives. You've got to be ready. And what I tell everybody, if if you're not planning like an active shooter is going to show up tomorrow at your location, whether it's a church, a workplace, a school, a college, a mall, if you're not planning on an active shooter showing up tomorrow, you are not planning. You're not planning adequately. You're basically hoping it doesn't happen and, and basing hope is not a method. Uh, don't stop at hope. you got to have a plan. Uh, and I believe most people, if they absolutely knew an active shooter was going to show up tomorrow and they couldn't stop it, that they would be doing something differently than they're doing now. And that's a key that's kind of a clue that you're not ready. You're not doing all you could do. All right. I want to go back. I want to play what Elizabeth Warren said. And I, and then I'm going to, I'll have him stop as soon as she says the biggest, dumbest thing that she says. And, and she says a lot of dumb things in this. But there is a really dumb thing that she says kind of towards the beginning of this statement. Hit it. Senator Steve from Plymouth. Nice to see you, Steve. Good to see you. Last week, there was a, uh, another church shooting. Oh. And the only thing that saved the rest of the congregation were the other two people who there who shot and took out the uh, shooter. Would you support a universal carry, concealed carry law for everyone in the country who's willing to be licensed and checked by the government? No. Let me just say two more things about the data, because I think they're important, and I appreciate that you, you asked this question. The first part is, I'd say that the reason those people were injured was because somebody came into that church with a gun. Stop it right there. So what you're saying then, Senator, is that we have to get rid of all guns, which, in fact, you know is absolutely impossible. Impossible and unconstitutional. And she also knows that how many people uh, at a rabbi's house were attacked with a machete. So these, these, are, these are socialist talking points. That's all they are. What she is basically saying, no, she does not support people carrying in church. So what that means logically is she would rather have had 20 to 50 people shot in that Texas church than to have had this citizen and others armed, pull out guns, and stop it in five seconds with only two people shot. That's right. Do we still have the Biden clip that, that I had you drop the other day? 
for me, uh, Zach. He's looking real quickly. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden had something to say about Texas being able. Uh, now, this was back in September that he made these statements. But I, I just want you to listen to what Joe Biden said about concealed carry in churches. And the second one is is on the dealing with uh, firearms. It is irrational, with all due respect to the governor of Texas, irrational what they're doing. On the very day you see a mass shooting, I guess the numbers now, I was on a plane the last two and a half hours, they got up to five killed. Um, and we're talking about loosening access to uh, have guns, be able to take them into places of worship, store them in school. I mean, it's just absolutely irrational. It's totally irrational. And it's- All right. That's enough. Was it irrational on uh, last Sunday when a concealed carry holder put down the animal that got in a church with a shotgun, a shotgun, a 12-gauge pump? All right. Just a sad reminder that over half of the United States voting population voted that man twice to be our vice president, who says allowing free humans the basic right to defend themselves is irrational. Uh, specifically in churches. Maybe he doesn't have a problem being, why should you be able to protect yourself in the mall, in the theater, in Kroger, in Walmart, pumping gas at the gas station, but when you walk inside a church, you have to be a vulnerable victim. And, Ed, what gives the government the right to tell churches that their parishioners or their members can't come into their church with a concealed carry or even with an open carry? You must You must be a compulsory victim is what the what – the, but, again – Twice, over half the U.S. voting public voted for him to be our vice president. It's irrational. You know, and so many people on the left, the uh, animal rights people, and I love animals, they would say, you know, don't declaw a cat if you're going to let him go outside. Why? Because he's got to be able to to climb trees and fight. Don't take a cat's basic means of self-protection away. But... You must walk around in public where we know there are predators and evil people. You must walk around out there with no protection. We'll declaw humans knowing that they're vulnerable, but by God, we can't declaw a cat because that would make him vulnerable. It, again, if we talk how to, how to protect ourselves against tornadoes and other things, people don't lose their logic and ability to simply reason. But if you bring guns into it, people with master's degrees and PhDs absolutely lose any abil- ability to reason at all. And we're not talking about higher-level advanced calculus. We're talking about simple math. If we stop it in the first 30 seconds, you'll have single-digit victims almost every time, every single time but one that I know of. If you let the shooter go on for five minutes before we stop him, you're going to have 20 to 60. It's it, it's just math. It's not the way I want it. It's just math. What was it every 10 seconds that you said somebody gets shot? One, the average is one every 10 seconds, but that's taking an average over you know the whole length of Correct. the thing. So the average of a five-minute attack usually comes out to one person shot every 10 seconds, but the first one or two minutes is usually much more brutal than that because he's going to start in a crowded place and shoot people a lot quicker in that first one to two minutes. So, again, everything I say about the church shooting on Sunday is based off what I have heard in the media since then, so everything could be false, but this is just what I've seen in the media. What I don't know yet is how many guns he had. He seems to have had a pistol-grip shotgun um, in... One of the interviews with the uh, Good Samaritan Jack Wilson who killed him, uh, he said when he kicked the shotgun away from him, it, it, it was still loaded, but I don't know if he had. Most active shooters have multiple weapons when they start. I do not know 
I'm sure the police know now, but I don't know whether he had additional weapons on him. I don't know how many rounds of ammunition. Yeah, we don't know how many, you know, 12 gauge shotgun shells he uh, he had that he could have kept feeding Um, into that baby. uh, So I know he could have shot at least one more because Jack knew that the shotgun was still loaded, but Mm -hmm. I don't know with how many rounds. Uh, It's just math. Do you want us? And I'll, 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 when I talk to schools, I'll look at the superintendent and I'll say, how long are you going to let the shooter, how long are you going to let the attack last? And once the shooter shows up here and starts shooting, your kids and your faculty, how long are you going to let it last? And they'll look at me like I'm crazy. What do you mean how long am I got? I don't have any control over that. And I say, and there's your problem. You refuse to take control over it. And so you're going to let it play out on the evil, crazy person's way he wants it to. Why would we want to do that? Do it like the church did on Sunday. He's going to start it, but you take control of it it very quickly. Yeah. And people will say, you know, you focus on ending after it starts. Why don't you focus on preventing it um i don't know how to prevent it i can suggest ways we talk about that that's yeah. what we were talking about out in the parking lot well i mean not even have them start to begin with oh okay uh, I, I don't know how to prevent it. this is what is this is murder we've had murder since before recordable history and so you're saying i'm at fault because i can't come up after how many years in, of human history i ed monk just i can't come up with a way to solve and stop all future murders I can't. Uh, we've never been able to. So you have to react to them when they start. Can I suggest some things that may deter the shooter that would go somewhere else? Yes. But I, I can't make a way to stop anybody from killing you because of the color of your skin, because you got money and they want it, because uh, jealousy, because you messed with their relig- uh, romantic partner. I, they kill for all different reasons. Uh, I can't stop them. You know, some people think the church is uh, responsible for all the evil in the world because of what we preach. And, uh, you know, those people want to do people harm as well as anybody else. All right, it's Dave Ellswick's show. We'll talk further when we get back. Ed Monk is my guest. Last Resort Firearms. If somebody wants you to come and uh, talk to them, do they call that 870-273-1111? three number correct that's my cell they can call or text or they can go to our facebook page last resort farms training or email me at my name ed monk edmonk at aol.com all right we'll be back we'll talk further about this we're going to talk about the the news as well uh, for you who don't know ed is a west point graduate he was a commander uh, during uh, the gulf war the recent gulf war uh free uh, was it iraqi freedom uh, he was involved in that. Uh, he knows what he's talking about, and he's done a lot of research on this. So we'll come back and speak with him more. We'll speak with him about what he thinks about uh, President Trump taking out, uh, you know, a god-awful terrorist. We'll talk to him about that as well when we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, so former uh, Vice President Joe Biden thinks it's irrational to allow people to conceal carry in churches. So uh, he's, he's worried about that. But there's some things that he's really worried about, like this, cut nine. We should not be allowing plastic. And what we should do is phasing it out. And if you notice, but we ha- we're running into a problem right now. The problem is we have a president who says there is no problem. We don't have a problem with the environment. We don't have a problem with pollution. We don't have a problem with plastic in the oceans. You see that ad on TV now about those guys who started to clean up plastic in the ocean and now they've turned it into a business and they're making, you know, they're taking, I don't know how many 
millions of pounds of plastic out of the ocean that are killing everything from dolphins to God knows what else. All right, there you go. That's what he's really worried about. Damn it, we got to stop plastic bags. Stop that and plastic straws. Those turtles over there, I'm I'm just telling you, what are they going to do with their cocaine habit when the plastic straws are gone? Did did you hear uh, Bill Maher's comments about the left? No, I did not. And I'm not a big fan of Bill Maher, but he basically said... So he's talking about himself if he's talking about the Well, he's talking about the politicians. And he says, you know, if, if you... You know, there's, and I'm paraphrasing here from my memory, but he basically said, okay, there's some hard left people that are going to vote hard left no matter who it is, and there's hard right people that are going to vote right. He goes, so you're, you're after the people in the middle. And when you come out and say things like the bags, like letting felons in prison vote, and these wild extreme left, if that's if that's your campaign slogan, or the wild extreme left things, then you're going to turn the people in the middle off, and it's just not smart politically. Yeah, and that's true. And and But let's... We talked about this over lunch. Ed and I had lunch today. And uh, I told him that I was going to play this cut by Biden dealing with plastic bags. And Ed immediately said something that I've said before on the air. Why do we have plastic bags? I, I asked that on the air. Why, why do we have plastic bags? Let me ask uh, Zach. Zach, do you know why we have plastic bags? I mean, you're young, man. You're what, 25? 27. Okay, 27. I'm sorry. There will come a time you'll be glad I said you were two years younger. I have socks older than him. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So bottom line is you have no idea why the plastic bag came into vogue? Not specifically why. Uh -uh. Because the environmentalists about 30 years ago said we had to quit killing trees and having paper bags. Is that not right? Yeah. Uh, These plastic bags will now save the trees and we won't have to cut down these precious trees that owls nest in and when it came about then there was this you'd go to the checkout i remember at grocery stores paper or plastic yes and if you said paper if you said paper you were the antichrist people looked at you you hated the environment and you hated trees so you had to say plastic and now plastic is the evil it's just like global cooling global warming it's whatever it was global cooling it was it was the next ice age when i was going to high school Whatever we can do to get you to give up your liberties and give more money to the government, we'll say it. That's exactly right. So, yeah, keep that in mind, especially you who are a lot younger that are as young as as Zach or thereabouts. And uh, for you who may be in high school or uh, even some of you that are listening in mom and dad's car because they're listening to the show and you're in the back. And so you're kind of listening Know that they're, you know, they're telling you we got to get rid of plastic bags. Can we bring back paper bags? That's what I want to know. Can we bring back paper? I like paper bags. It was great for throwing away your trash because they were big paper bags. I liked them. Useful for a lot of things. They were. They were definitely useful for a lot of things. Well, the plastic bags are useful for a lot of things. Cut up, when, cut when up I your brown paper bags and use them as targets at the range. <laughs> I do that. I'm just saying. Yep. It's crazy. really is. All right, when we come back, we'll take on some of the uh, popular topics that are going on right now. I've got uh, the Secretary of State Pompeo talking about the killing of uh, Soleimani. I want to get to that. And uh, I just know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't send him a text I should have, but something tells me that Senator Tom Cotton has a big smile on his face because this is the guy that brought the IED to Iraq. This is a guy that killed 
a lot of our young men and women uh, over in Iraq uh, when uh, the war was going on full blow over there. So we'll come back, talk about that. I'm glad the guy is dead, to be honest with you. I'm glad that the only way they could figure out if it was him is they had to find his ring finger and found his ring and knew that's who it was because he was in, how do we put this? He was shredded. That's the best way to put it. Wasn't much left of him. All right. And and that tells you, I mean, he thought, we heard it on uh, Fox News before we went on. He thought he could go to go to Baghdad and all these places, Moscow. Well, he thought he could go to the Oval Office because he did. All right. We got a lot of things to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Resort firearms training is where uh, he does his uh, business. Their number is 870-273-1113. And uh, if you have a church, because we were sh- we were talking about how to protect your church, so I'm, you know, it's sad that we've got to talk about that, but it is the case. Uh, keep in mind that uh, he'll come out to your church and uh, give you training on that. And is there any charge for that, Ed? Not for a presentation to a church, a law enforcement agency, a school, or a college. I'll come out and do the presentation uh, and talk to them free of charge. All right. So there you got it. Let me give you the number again, 870-273-1113 is the number to call. I already have two presentations scheduled uh, for this month and a third one just waiting for them to call back to confirm. All right. So Corey Booker. Came out after he heard that this uh, terrorist that worked for the Iranian army was uh, killed yesterday. And here's what he had to say. Cut one. Uh, Senator, the Trump administration and Secretary of State Mike Pompeo this morning says that the U.S. acted to disrupt a an imminent attack in the region abroad. If the intelligence bears that out, do you think President Trump made the right decision here? 
again, I, you know, I sit on the Foreign Relations Committee with Chris Murphy, who I think has uh, put it right uh, on MSNBC. This is a very serious action against Iran, and, and, and it's not one that we have not had opportunities to do in the past. Even the Israelis have had opportunities to take this in the past. And we know he is a person who has done horrific acts, not just in Iraq. He's American blood on his hands. He has taken actions as far afield uh, as uh, responsible for the Iranian uh, malfeasance in Yemen, in Lebanon with, with Hezbollah, attacks on Israel. We know who he is. But the question is, number one, did this meet any kind of strategic standard that this administration uh, should have? Because clearly... They do not have a larger strategy in the region. Under their leadership, Iran has become more influential and more dangerous. And then number two, are you thinking in the larger strategic con uh, context of what the fallout of this might be? What will it put our allies mm. in danger? Obviously, Israel's at high alert. Um, what are the consequences of this action? This is a president who, who does foreign policy by impulse, by tweet, with no larger strategy, and he's making the world less of a safe place. Okay. So let's talk about, uh, number one, probably after Iowa, Cory Booker will not be running for president any longer. Because and he, he and does he not just, get any. He just gave an example of why. Yeah, exactly. Of course, he said when, when he says others have had this uh, these opportunities, he's talking specifically about President Obama and President Bush. And uh, they could have taken this guy out. And he says, that guy's got American blood on his hands. So why didn't you take him out? Well, because it might make everybody uh, that uh, are the head dudes over in Iran angry. Good. They're already that way. Good. What are you talking about? And, and hopefully a little bit scared. Let me ask you a question, Zach. If, if uh, And this was a great uh, illustration that Ed used for me earlier today. If, let's say the Crips had invaded your neighborhood, and uh, they killed uh, your other brother. Would you want to take out the Crips, or would you say, well, if I, take, if I go out there and, and I start doing battle with them, uh, they're going to try to hurt me again? I mean, how, how do you think about this? I mean, it's kind of stupid when you, say, you, you think about what Booker's saying. Well, we won't do anything, and from time to time, they're going to kill some people. So, okay, we'll just put up with it. I'm not willing to put up with it, all right? You got, you got to put an end to it. The only way you put an end to it, as I told you, the guy from the Mossad that I sat under when I was at the Dynamics of International Terrorism, is that when it comes to terrorists, they're like rats. You have to kill them. And if others come to take their place, you kill them too. Yep. It's the only way you deal with this you problem. You can't reason with evil. You can't pay them off. Obama tried that. Yep. He sent them a gazillion dollars in diamonds and gold and cash and all kinds of currencies. So Booker's a Democrat trying to criticize Trump's foreign policy against Iran when the last Democratic president did what to Iran? Yeah, appeased S them. Sent them pallets full of american cash yeah That's, appeased them it's just absolutely crazy it doesn't work you know i mean look i can tell you this much everybody can you can disagree with me if you want and that's fine i don't have any problem with it i just know i'm right on this one by a factor of one 
This guy's not going to kill anybody any anymore. Done. No more. I'm same way about the death penalty. You get rid of the murderers, and it defers murder by at least one. They've been at war with us for decades. We just haven't been able to admit that we're at war with them, and hopefully we have a president now that better understands that. Yeah, he does. He, he does do that. All right, so uh, the Secretary of State spoke today about this strike uh, that the president made. Uh, Mr. Pompeo stood in front of the press, and let me just play a few uh, excerpts from what he said. Let's start with cut number two. You put out a statement a short time ago that says the decision to eliminate General Soleimani was in response to imminent threats to American lives. What was the nature of those imminent threats? John, I can't too, talk too much about the nature of the threats, but the American people should know that President Trump's decision to remove Qasem Soleimani from the battlefield saved American lives. There's no doubt about that. Uh, he was actively plotting in the region to take actions, a big action as he described it, that would have put dozens, if not hundreds, of American lives at risk. Uh, we know it's, it was imminent. This was an intelligence-based uh, assessment uh, that drove our decision-making process. Uh, the American people also know the history of Qasem Soleimani, uh, hundreds of American lives on his hands, too. He was involved in the Beirut bombings. Uh, he'd, he'd orchestrated an attack right here in Washington, D.C. It ultimately mm -hmm. failed. Uh, this is a man who's put an American lives at risk for an awfully long time. And last night was the time that we needed to strike to make sure that this imminent attack that he was working actively uh, was disrupted. A specific target overseas? I'm not going to say anything more about the nature of the attack, but know that this was not just in Iraq. It was throughout the region. Uh, it was using these proxy forces that he has manipulated for so long to bring so much destruction uh, to the Shias and Sunnis, mm -hmm. the Muslims throughout the region. This is a man who inflicted enormous harm not only on American lives, but created uh, terribly destructive activities supporting Lebanese Hezbollah, Hamas, the Palestinian Islamic Jihad, uh, all of the bad actors in the Middle right. East. Qasem Soleimani was at the center of all of it. Was there any imminent threat to the U.S. homeland? These were threats that were located in the region. And what I ask about the timing, the reason I am asking, um, is because General Soleimani, as you well note, has been an enormous threat to the United States and U.S. interests for decades. I was in Iraq in, in, you know, between 2003 and 2008 when he was responsible for the death of probably 600 or more U.S. servicemen. So what is different or what was different yesterday than over the last 15 years? Well, well John, you're, you're right about the history of uh, General Soleimani for sure. Uh, what's different today uh, is that Iran has now been engaged for months and managed dozens and dozens of attacks throughout the region. President Trump's shown enormous restraint to date. While we've made clear to the Iranians that we weren't going to tolerate the killing of Americans on December 27th, an American was killed in Iraq, uh, and then we watched uh, the intelligence flow in that talked about Soleimani's travels in the region and the work that he was doing to put Americans further at risk, and it was the time to take this action so that we could disrupt this plot, deter further aggression, from Qasem Soleimani and the Iranian regime, uh, as well as to attempt to de-escalate the situation. Uh, the risk of doing nothing was enormous. The intelligence community made that assessment, and President Trump acted decisively last. The President of the United States moments ago retweeted the State Department directive for all U.S. citizens in Iraq to get out. Uh, why? What is the nature of the threat against U.S. citizens in Iraq this morning? I don't want to elaborate on the statement that we put out just a, a handful of hours ago, but 
make no mistake about it, the Trump administration is focused on protecting Americans uh, to the maximum extent feasible. We made the conclusion that a statement that we issued was appropriate, that the timing was right for that. Uh, we have, as you've seen over the, the past weeks, we've taken actions by building out coalitions in the region, by working to make sure we strengthen our partners in Saudi Arabia and the Emiratis, all things aimed at deterring Iran from aggression. We will continue that action, and we'll continue to prepare to respond if that's what's required to will keep you Americans remove, safe. Will you call for the removal or evacuation of U.S. State Department personnel from Iraq? Well, we constantly evaluate uh, our personnel, not only in Iraq, but all across the region and across the world. Uh, every day we're evaluating what the right security posture is. We will ensure that we get it right. Uh, we'll rely on the people on the ground to help give us guidance about what they're seeing and hearing. And we will make appropriate decisions about the posture of our diplomats and our military personnel throughout the region. Okay, so the question that was uh, asked, and I thought, you know, I think that uh, Pompeo does a good job, to be honest with you. Because I can tell you what I would have said when he said, well, what's, you know, during that time that the decades that he was killing all those people and, uh, you know, nobody did anything, you know, what's the difference now than then? And I would have looked at him and said, the president, we have a president now that will take out the bad actors that need to be taken out. The other guys didn't have the, the gonads to do it. And that's the truth. That is the God-honest truth. This president stood up and said, okay, it's, it's time for you to leave the battlefield. I mean, look, for the people who uh, believe, as uh, the, the terrorists do, that if they martyr themselves, that they're going to, uh, you know, the, to the Valhalla, whatever the place is called, that they're going. No, that's the Vikings that go there, but... You know, that they're going to go to the place where uh, they got uh, a bunch of virgins waiting for them and everything. We gave, we did the guy a favor. I've been to the Middle East, and paradise sounds a lot better to me than the Middle East. <laughs> yeah, you've been there. You've done that, haven't you? But, I'm, you know, I have no information about this whatsoever. But what I'm, what I'm sure they took into account, you know, why now? Why there? One, I think it's important not to, not to do it inside the borders of Iran because now we're attacking a sovereign country. He's in Iraq where it's questionable why he was there and what he was doing. He's not in his own country. Uh, what the, Probably the things they considered were what was the chance of success versus failure, meaning of being able to take him out because a failure would have, would have been somewhat embarrassing. Uh, considering what was the accurate, what was, what did we think was the accuracy of intelligence stating where he was, where he would be uh, so that we did hit the right thing. The chances of friendly casualties, if any, and then the chances of collateral damage. So my guess is once they made the, the decision we want to target this guy, uh, our intelligence is very – we have high confidence. Our intelligence is very, very good that, that he is where we think he is and is going to where he's going to go, and he, we're going to uh, catch him a, in a – He was a stupid one. He's out there in Baghdad heading from the uh, to the airport. Yeah, probably in a location where collateral damage was a very low risk. Yeah. So everything lined up, go. That tells you – he thought that the good guys, in this case us, wouldn't touch him. Well, we hadn't up to this point. Yeah, so I probably agree. not a bad assumption up to this point. That's amazing. But All right. so, how many presidents did you serve under? Uh, when I went in, it was when I started active duty. It was Ronald Reagan. It was nineteen eighty three. Okay, so Reagan, Bush, Clinton, and Bush. Bush. Okay. 
So uh, you didn't have any time with uh, President Obama? No. Okay. When you look at how each one of them carried out uh, their foreign policy, does not Trump remind you of Reagan? I mean, Reagan went after Gaddafi. A little. And and I remember specifically when they shot down the two, uh, Gaddafi's two jet aircraft. Yeah. Uh, and they made a big deal over the fact that when they did that, they didn't wake the president up. They told him the next morning after he woke up and they, they tried to make a deal out of it. And he said, well, we shot them down. That was fine. Had they shot our planes down, I would have wanted them to wake me up. But we shot them <laughs> down. So I'm, I'm fine waiting until the morning. Yeah. And I just, you know, there's a lot of similarities amongst uh, Reagan and and Trump and uh, because if people don't remember this when Reagan was president they called him every name in in the book they called him a KKK member they called him you know racist uh, they called him a warmonger. Oh, he was going to push the button. Yeah. He was going to start nuclear war with the Soviets, but now anybody honestly looking back say He's probably the guy that ended it. Yeah, he's probably the guy that ended the decades-long Cold War. And so what happened? We uh, allowed Putin to get his hands in the mix. You know, and now we're back to kind of a Cold War standing uh, with Russia and for sure with China. Uh, We got a Cold War standing. And I don't don't think, uh, and people say, well, now what are you going to do about Iran? Iran is going to strike back at us. Well, it's like I just said a moment ago. If they strike back, I think that this president and his chiefs of staff have all met in the war room, discussed this, and they know, ex- and Pompeo knows. I mean, Pompeo, he made it that Trump is focused on protecting Americans to the maximum extent possible. That tells you they're ready to do what they have to do to uh, to punish Iran if they try to do something stupid. Yeah, and that, I would define it as stupid. I, I I would be have some serious concerns if if China attacked us. I would have slightly less, but still serious concerns if Russia attacked us. I have no concerns if Iran lashes out at us. I think there's probably people wishing they would lash out at us because that would make it just very easy legally. To go after them. Iran, lash it. What are they going to do that they're not already doing? They're already supporting international terrorism against us. They're not going to start a conventional war with us. Now, if I was Israel, I would have greater concerns than the United States has about their security from Iran. But well, as, that's as, exactly what happened with Netanyahu. He was in Greece, and he has flown back to Israel. Yeah, now. I would have serious concerns about Iran getting uh, freaky. But they also know. We got their back. Yep. They are our firmest ally in the Middle East. So Dave Ellswick show. We come back. We got more to talk about. I'm glad to have Ed Monk here. He's a fun guy to have here, especially with his background in the military. He actually went to that bastion of liberal thought, West Point. We'll talk to him about that some more (laughs) when we come back on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, from the uh, Epoch Times, I have this story. And by the way, if you don't have their app on your phone, you should get it. It's E-P-O-C-H Times. You'll find them in uh, your your game shop. Go get it, download it. It's free. And they got really good 
news coverage on in that uh, that uh, uh, app. President Trump said uh, today that the strike that killed top Iranian General Soleimani was designed to prevent a war, not start one. Less than a day after the airstrike in Baghdad, Trump told reporters in Florida that the United States, quote, took action last night to stop a war. We did not take action to start a war. He didn't take any questions. We do not seek regime change, however. The Iranians' regime's aggression in the region, including the use of of proxy fighters. Now, what's a proxy fighter? Proxy fighter is somebody else. It's like if if you had a a gang and uh, of uh, Bloods or Crips or whatever, and then you went over and and you got uh, one of the um, Latino groups or an Irish gang to to carry out bad stuff for you. You contract it out. Yeah, that's a proxy fighter. Uh, to destabilize its neighbors must end, and it must end now. I'm ready and prepared to take whatever action is necessary, and that in particular refers to Iran. The top general who was in charge of the powerful, is it Quds Force? Is that how they pronounce it? Q-U-D-S? I think Quds Force has long been accused of formatting discord in the Middle East and has been accused by the State Department of supporting terrorist organizations in the region. Let me just tell you, it's a good thing he's not around anymore. I'm just telling you. And he went off to his 72 virgins. He should, I, he should be sending some kind of message back to the president saying thanks. I bet you, you know, who I think woke up this morning after hearing about this with a smile on his face? Bolton. <laughs> <laughs> I think Bolton would be. I hope to see him at CPAC. If, he, if we do, we'll get him on. For those who track him, I think it'd be interesting to see how, if, if there's a reduction in the uh, Iran military leaders leaving their country, going to places where they're more likely to be targeted. I bet they're going to see a reduction in their travel. Yeah, they may. That may happen. That just may happen. It just look. This is a guy that President Obama had at the White House. That tells you, and they knew what this guy that this guy was a, a murderer. It'd be like asking uh, Himmler to come to the White House when you knew what he was doing—that he was just killing a bunch of innocent people. Yeah, just or El Chapo. Yeah, El Chapo. Yeah, bring it up a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm taking you for all the way back to World War II to mention Himmler. A lot of you didn't even know who I was mentioning. All right, we'll take a break. We got to get news in. We got sixty, sixty uh, minute, sixty seconds of news coming your way, and then uh, a little bit of uh, commercials to pay uh, for the electric bill here, and and to pay for what uh, KARN wouldn't pay to pay Rush. Okay. That's coming up here on the uh, the <laughs> a little jab there uh, on the Dave Ellswick show. All right, so uh, State Department, former State Department uh, official, had this to say about the attack on Suleimani. Cut, pardon me, cut number six or cut number eight. Ambassador Wendy Sherman, uh, Cal Perry has just handed it to you uh, with now what? Well, um, I wish I knew what all the now what's were. I quite agree with what Andrea and Cal have said. There will be terrible, terrible reprisals. Uh, They will likely happen in the Middle East, but they could happen really anywhere in the world. And as both of uh, these journalists have pointed out, 
Uh, we have people all over the world that could become targets. And of course, our military in Iraq are targets. Our embassy in Baghdad is a target. Uh, Lebanon is a likely uh, place to be targeted. In a situation like this, Lawrence, what usually happens is if there's a small group in the White House uh, with all of the Pentagon, the intelligence community, the State Department meeting very quietly, uh, they send out a classified note or briefing to key embassies uh, to have a regional security meeting uh, to get ready uh, to figure out how they're going to defend themselves, whether there are authorized departures so that families can leave embassies. An enormous amount of work goes in to make sure that we are steady and ready uh, when such an action is taken. Qasem Soleimani is a ruthless, ruthless killer. There is no doubt about that. Nobody weeps that he is gone as a person in what he did and the terror he brought about in the world. But that said, uh, the Obama administration, at least to my knowledge, did not uh, go after him and target him because we understood what the consequences were. We were in the midst of diplomacy. We hoped that we would find a peaceful path, understanding that there were many issues in Iran that still had to be addressed besides their nuclear program, and we had the sanctions, the tenacity, the alliances to do it. So I think tonight the immediate concern for all of us is what both Andrea and Cal have said, and that is the reprisals. Where and how are they going to happen? They will be asymmetrical. It doesn't matter where our troops are. They can be targets. Uh, Qasem Soleimani had deputies. They know how to do what he did, even though he was this unbelievably unique uh, counter-military strategist. Uh, but we are at a very, very escalatory moment here, uh, which can lead us into a wider war. I hope we do not go there. I pray with all of my heart that the Trump administration has a plan and a strategy but all I've seen to date in their around policy is one-off actions, and this one-off action can have unbelievably horrific consequences. I just threw up in my mouth some. I'm just, I mean, I'm honest here. They were doing it right in the Obama administration, don't you know? They, they could have got this guy if they'd wanted to. They could have killed him if they wanted to. But, uh, no, we were doing diplomacy and allowing military and other people to just die wantonly while this guy went out and slaughtered people and she admits he was a horrible horrible person responsible for unbelievable Murder, death killing and killing but by killing him we've made people mad yeah and we shouldn't do that yeah like they're not already mad at us yeah. they've, they've, they've been ridiculous. at war with us for decades we're not going to make them be more at war with us it's just it's it's such a silly thing to say but we were talking to him. We understood there was a whole lot of different things that we had to deal with, not just about their nuclear program, but there was other things. We had to work all through that. And then, I guess, Soleimani would have been told to stand down. Don't believe that for a moment. Again, got a little taste of throw up in my mouth right now. <laughs> Listen to that kind of BS. It's amazing. But that's, there's, you know, and 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 then the and the shot that she took. All right, I hope they have some kind of uh, you know process in in place of what they're going to do. The but all I have seen, no, yeah, that's right, because you're not in the middle of the decision making, lady anymore. So just you know, shut your pie hole. 
Yep. I'm, I'm sorry. You, you let the people in charge be in charge. Take care of things. All right. Take care of it. I'm I'm glad we got somebody who's uh, standing up. And, and the Democrats just say things that are just beyond belief to me. All right. So I got to play. This is a quick little cut. Listen closely. This is, again, former Vice President Joe Biden talking about the economy and how it's just blowing and going. And here's how he sees it. The national debt, I shouldn't be economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. Let me play that again for you. All these other people now that have jobs and they're, uh, you know, able to, I don't know, buy a new car or go on a vacation. You know, people in the middle class. Here, here's what Biden has to say about it. The national debt, I shouldn't be, the economy is hurting the middle class and working class very badly. The economy is hurting the middle class very badly. What else is he going to say? Unemployment's at an all-time low, especially for minorities. Uh, GDP is great. The economy is better than it's been in 50 years. He's not going to say that. So, and and none of the, of course you cut it. It was the, the snippet was cut off, but. I bet none of the reporters said, now, wait a minute, Mr. Vice President. Oh, no, they didn't ask him anything. Now, wait a minute. What do you mean it's hurting? This is, don't you agree this is the best economy we've had in decades, including far better than when you were vice president? Yeah. Because they're not reporters. They're DNC mouthpieces. All right. So, Ed, let's finish up with one last piece from uh, Pompeo. And it was asked about Iran. And here's what he had to say. Cut seven. What do you anticipate? the possible range of responses from Iran will be? John, we've, we've anticipated a wide range of possible responses, and we have done our level best under the direct guidance of the president to prepare for all of those possibilities. Uh, we, we hope the actual response, John, is that the Iraqi people will do what they've been doing for months. They'll demand that the Iraqi government give them freedom, prosperity, and sovereignty. We've We've watched these protests over the last weeks. They weren't burning American flags. They were demanding that Iraqi political leadership uh, stop their kleptocracy, stop their uh, political shenanigans. And Qasem Soleimani was at the center of that. He was driving bad outcomes for the Iraqi people. He was causing many Muslims in the region to be killed. I saw last night there was dancing in the streets in parts of Iraq. We, we have every expectation that people not only in Iraq but in Iran will view the American action mm-hmm. last night as giving them freedom freedom well, to have the opportunity for success and prosperity for their nations. And while the political leadership may not want that, the people in these nations will demand it. We'll see. So far this morning on the streets of Tehran, we've been seeing pictures, and we have a reporter there, we've been seeing pictures of large-scale anti-American demonstrations following the death. This is in Iran, following the death. We've heard from Iraqi leaders so far condemning the U.S. action. Uh, we heard from a French official this morning putting out a statement saying that the world is less safe following the killing of General Soleimani. And the concern there, no one is saying that General Soleimani was a good actor, he was a bad actor. What they're suggesting is that destabilization will create a, a threatening environment. So when you hear from France, the world is a less safe place this morning, how do you respond to that? Yeah, well, the French are just wrong about that. The world's a much safer place today. <laughs> and I can assure you that Americans in the region are much safer today after the demise of Qasem Soleimani. And, you know, as for the protests that you described, uh, there's no doubt 
the last vestiges of theocracy, the kleptocracy in Iran will continue to try and put down uh, these uh, uprisings from the people. They've jailed uh, thousands. They've killed hundreds. It won't surprise me if they try to continue to do that. But know this. The Iranian people understand that America is a force for good in the region. And I'm convinced that uh, the support that we have provided to the people in Iran and the support we will continue to provide for the people in Iraq will work to protect American interests and make lives better uh, for those people as well. Well, the French are wrong. The world is much safer today. Was it General Schwarzkopf who made the statement that going to war without the French was like going duck hunting without an accordion? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was good. The old thing, the used French military rifle, never fired, only dropped once. Only dropped yep. once. Yep. That the, uh, all the trees along the, uh, what is it, the Charzemay or whatever the street is that goes through the, 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 the Arc of the Triumph and all of that, they were, they were planted so that the Nazis could march in the shade. Let's uh, let's stop what we're doing and, and take advice from the French on military absolutely. operations. A- yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right. I got one more segment with Ed Monk, who is from Last Resort Firearms Training, former West Point graduate, a Army tank commander during the, uh, the Gulf War. We'll speak more with him when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you. Ed's sitting here talking to me. So I'm going to can you talk about that on the air? Yeah. Go ahead. I mean, it's common knowledge. Um, I was in the 1st Cavalry Division at Fort Hood, Texas as a captain, uh, 91 to 94. And while I was there, uh, the military, the Army, made the decision to, to have to increase from one to two heavy rapid deployment divisions. Up okay, to that. Let me stop you there. Yeah. Explain to people what a rapid deployment division is. Rapid deployment means you're, 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 you have a bigger readiness, you have better equipment, you have a higher priority of parts and training, and you're expected, and I forget what the timeline was, but, you know, if, if you're alerted, a company has to be in theater in, in a very short amount of time, a, a battalion, and sometime after that, a brigade. So you are on the hook, ready to go. Okay. A company is how many people? Uh, in, in tanks at that time, it would have been about 80. In infantry, it would be about 120. Okay. As far as a brigade goes, how many are we talking about? A brigade, a whole brigade task force yes. would be about 2,500 to 3,000. Okay. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah, and, and a lot, a lot of lot equipment. Of, yes, a lot of a lot of heavy power. So we've always had uh, the 101st Airborne Division and the 182nd Airborne Division. They're air, they're light. They're mostly just people with very few vehicles. Um, they are fairly easy to transport by aircraft and get overseas. Well, so we had those two light divisions, but we also had the, at that time the 24th Infantry Division. That was the only mechanized heavy division, which means tanks, Bradley fighting vehicles, the big heavy stuff. Well, in the early 90s, uh, the nation decided, the National Command Authority decided we wanted a second rapid deployment division. This was right after Desert Storm. So they designated the 1st Cav Division, which was the division I was in, which means if if we were in the rotation, if they told us to go, uh, again, we'd have to have a company in, in theater, I think it was in like 18 hours, and then uh, a, bata- a battalion within, I don't remember, 24, 36 hours. So you had to be ready, have your equipment packed, loaded, ready to be at the airfield and the rail yard, everything really quick. Um, when I was a company commander, a tank company commander in a rapid deployment division, the first cavalry division, uh, I had three platoons. Uh, that's how many people, uh, 16 people in each platoon. Okay. Uh, I only had manning for two of them. So I was in a rapid deployment division could be deployed anywhere in the world within 24 hours. And I was at about 60% manning. Okay. So that was what year? Uh, 92, 90 or 92, 93. Okay. So we're talking as 
as we're with Bush and moving with Clinton now. Yeah, this was during the Clinton presidency. Okay, and he does what all Democrats do as he hollows out the military. Is that what he did? That's what happened. I mean, I don't, I don't have. It scared me to death because I was like, okay, if I if I'm in the rotation and I get told to take my company and send me God knows where. I'm missing one third of my combat power, and Correct. they would they would say, "Well, we'll we'll find another platoon from another unit and give it to you." But <laughs> that I, you haven't trained. I with. haven't trained with. I don't know them. I, you know, it's it's it can be done, but it's at a much uh, lower level of confidence. But that just you know, rapid deployment divisions are supposed to be extremely high priority in fill of manning and machinery and training. When you order spare parts, you're at a higher priority. Um, so so if, you're supposed to get them. Get it quick. Yeah, you have highest priority other than in combat. Uh, but that that was uh, the fact that I was in a rapid deployment division. And that, as I told you, at that time, that was after Desert Storm. That's when Saddam Hussein would rattle his saber every couple of months, do something, fly in a no-fly zone, move move something around, and we would deploy a brigade or, or a battalion, you know, to kind of a show of force to Kuwait. So takes a lot of planes to move those people. Yes. And the equipment. Uh, only one tank. Uh, when when I was in, only one tank could fly on a C five unless it was uh, emergency combat situations. Then it it was capable of lifting two, but at that time we were told only one on a C five. That tells you how heavy an A one Abrams is. Only seventy two, seventy five tons, depending <laughs> on how much equipment's on it. <laughs> it's a big tank. Yeah, and to think that 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 could go like fifty five miles an hour, couldn't it? They were governed around forty five. Uh, the fastest one I ever knew. The one of the other company commanders. When we first drew them, when I was in Germany as lieutenant, one of the the Bravo Company commanders tank, because of course they, during transition that we were out, you know, maneuvering, getting used to them, and of course they raced them, fifty eight miles an hour uh, was the the Bravo companies, but they would normally they were governed at about forty five. The engine was capable of going five times faster than that, but the the track couldn't take it. They were right. governed because apart. if you went too much faster, it would tear the track apart. They were it was a, it was a jet turbine engine that powers those things. Yeah, think about that, uh, Zach. Something that weighs that many tons going nearly 60 miles an hour. <laughs> and because of all of its technology, can shoot on the run. Shoot on the move. In fact, the, the faster, as long as the terrain is semi-smooth, the faster it goes, the better it shoots. Really? Which was exact opposite the tanks we had before that, the old steel tanks, the M60A3, which is what I came in on. Uh, the faster you went, the more the shite, the sights shook and the harder it was to hit. So... When you were shooting tank gunnery with the older style tank, you, you know you were trying to go as slow as possible without getting penalized by your graders. But with the when we went to the M1 with again their their engine and their uh, the suspension system and the fire control system, the faster you went, the smoother the sights were. What was the cost of one of those? Um, my ideas? best, my best memory, because when I was a company commander, you had to sign for them. <laughs> I, th- I think each tank was four point one million dollars, and you, I had fourteen tanks. Did you Did you look at your bank account before you signed? I tell you, well, <laughs> the big thing is when you when you left command and turned it over to somebody else, and they signed for all the equipment. Of course, there was a lot more than that, but the tanks were the big ticket item. Four point one million dollars. Amazing night vision and rifles and pistols and I mean everything they could do the radios job. the Singars frequency hopping radios were, were quite expensive as now, well. I know you, how long have you been out now oh my God August of two thousand seven okay so twelve and a half years twelve and a half years yeah. uh, do you keep up with the technology that's going not on in really. the army not I mean vaguely when I talk to people that are still in or whatever but not 
I don't try. I don't make an effort to. Okay. So you don't really miss it. I, I, I miss some of the fun. I miss the camaraderie uh, yeah. with the other guys. I'm, and I missed when I got out. I missed serving. So that's one of the reasons that I've I've gotten into other organizations. To, uh, miss the serving and in, in, in law enforcement that helps with that. But uh, now they're on the. I think they're on the M1A2 SEP, the M1A2 Special Equipment Package. Uh, one of the things that we discovered in Desert Storm was that the service tank ammunition was more accurate than they had expected. Uh, in training, we shoot training ammunition, which is supposed to fly, you know, like the regular ammunition because the regular go-to-war ammunition is just so expensive. But when we actually shot a lot of it in Desert Storm, they found out it was actually a lot more accurate than they had predicted. So one of the changes to the tanks that came out after they were they were coming out while I was still in, but I never served on them. The M1A2 is we went from a a ten power sight, I think, either to a thirty or a fifty power sight on the tank because. The, the ammunition could hit far, much farther out than they had thought, so they upped the that, and then they gave the tank commander an independent viewer. So now the tank commander, when he he could look and not only just see what the gunner was seeing, which is the tank I was on, but now the the tank commander has an independent viewer that's thermal capable, which means For night himself. night day. So the gunner can be engaging one target, and the tank commander can be independently searching for another target and lock onto it. So after the gunner shoots the target he's on. The gun will automatically slew over and go on to the one that the tank commander. It's made gunnery faster. It's made the ability to service multiple targets much faster. All right. Last question, and I don't know if you can answer this, but you look at the Iranian army. Are they still using Soviet tanks? Do you I, know? I do not know. I, my guess would be yes. And I remember which do not stand up against American. Well, armor. and this is another thing that just stood out to me during Desert Storm because I remember all the quote unquote experts that CNN would bring on, and they would just talk. That was what the T one was uh, the Soviet. Well, the T seventy two used to be their big export model. Okay, that's not the one they used, right? Because it's not as good. But then they had uh, the when I was in the T eighty. I, I think they're up to the T ninety, maybe something higher now. But there, when I was in, the, most of the time on tanks, they're the Soviets, which is what we trained to fight against. Their best tank was the T-80, but they didn't export that to anybody. But all the experts on CNN building up to Desert Storm were talking about how the Soviet tanks were so much, so much far advanced and better tanks than ours and how we were going to get beat in Desert Storm. Um, and A, the, the Iraqis, Desert Storm, the Iraqis did not have the best Soviet equipment, but even the best Soviet equipment was nowhere near ours. So the best the Iraqis had in Desert Storm was the T-72, which was okay, the, the best export model. But only the Republican Guard had those. Most of them had the old T-55s, T-62s built back in the 50s and 60s. It, compared to us, antiquated. None of them had night vision. They, they could not understand how we could shoot them from two miles away in the dark. They, they could not understand that. Ed, thanks for coming in today. Anytime, Dad. Had to bring in and talk more about this type of stuff. Just so our listeners know, our military is by far a very strong force for the protection of the United States of America. Yep. Tr let them train, let them be equipped, and when you turn them loose, turn them loose completely. There you go. All right, got to take a break. Got news coming up. Tim Lim, Dr. Tim Lim, and uh, Mark Pellegrini and Shane Stacks all standing in the wings ready to join me here on the Dave Ellswick Show.
The show. Shane Stacks is going to call in here in just a moment. Oh, he's by Skype. Okay, we got. Yeah, he's he's showing off his technology today. Got uh, got Shane here on Skype. We got Doctor Tim Lim is on his way. He had to drop off his buns, as he says, at the uh, the vet or pick make him up run. or whatever. Yeah, yeah, bun run. And then uh, Mark Pellegrini is sitting right across from me right now. We're gonna between the three of uh, the four of us. I forgot to count myself. Uh, we're going to talk about 2019 a little bit. What were some of the great shows? I'd like mm-hmm. to ask you what you think was the best show on uh, television. And I'm talking about Netflix, Amazon, HBO, Showtime, all the rest of them in the last decade. And I think Game of Thrones probably wow. holds that. Mm, I, wow. That's right. We are doing the it last decade. decade. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're in and and this and by the way, 2020 does not count as the start of the new decade. I learned decade. that from Seinfeld. They said for the other uh, turn of the millennium episode they did, where you know Jerry uh, schooled Newman by saying it actually starts in 2001. Yeah. So, so 2021 is the start of a new mm. decade. I don't know what that means about 2020. Just, Hold I, guess- I got to push up my glasses. Um, actually, <laughs> it starts 2021. <laughs> So what is what what's twenty twenty? Is it the end of the previous decade? I don't know. Everyone I guess if you're being twenty twenty uh, vision now. <laughs> if you're being specific. I guess that's the way it works. All right, so before we do all of that, Tim will be here shortly, but let's just start off in twenty nineteen. Give me some of your favorite movies of twenty nineteen, Shane. Man, uh I'll I'll tell you the one that is is really jumping out at me immediately because I finally got a chance to see it. I really loved Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. I loved that movie. Uh, one, because it's Quentin Tarantino. Uh, two, because it wasn't what I was expecting. I, You know, from all the stuff I'd seen, I thought that Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt were going to play cops in Hollywood yeah. trying to solve the Manson murders or something. And uh, totally not what I expected. Great movie, and I also love the fairy tale aspect of it. That you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino wish. likes to tell alternate histories, yeah, like he did with Inglorious Bastards, and uh, he he let Sharon Tate live, and it had a wonderful ending, and I, I just love that. That's a uh, uh, that that we just told you how the movie ends. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, are we out of the spoiler zone yet? No, I mean, I'm, I'm just kidding you. I'm just kidding you. If you <laughs> haven't that's seen why it it's by called now, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. This yeah. yeah, is yeah. an M. Night Shyamalan movie where the twist is the only thing that matters about it. Yeah. Tarantino movies usually have a lot more than Oh, that. it was yeah. so yeah. good. It was so, so good. For me, it was a lot of fun because it's time of the when I was a young man and growing up, and I could relate to everything that was going on in, in that uh, that movie and how much I miss the way that, that we were at that time, that oh, the yeah. cancel culture wasn't in <laughs> in vogue and all of that. It was okay to be happy. Was the idea. Yeah, well, it's, it was okay to, to uh, you know, diss on each other without any big deals <laughs> right. about it, you know? No, well, nobody was offended immediately. I would love to see, like, Brad Pitt's character, Cliff, 
who's a fictional character, by the way. So there's a scene that people argue about where oh, Cliff is a stuntman. Go ahead. The Bruce Lee scene. The Bruce Lee scene. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, Quentin Tarantino is like, I didn't. Cliff is also a fictional character. Yeah. So deal with it, you know? <laughs> and they didn't actually show how it would all go down eventually because the fight got ended. But I did love when Cliff, you know, Bruce Lee's like, I would fight you, but my hands are registered lethal weapons, so I would go to jail if I killed you. <laughs> yeah. And so and I've heard that throughout my life, you know, you've heard that stuff. And yeah. Cliff's just like, if anybody kills somebody on accident, they're going to jail, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I love that. So it was it was uh, a great movie. It really was. I love it. That was, movie. It was fantastic. Um I, I you know, it took me a while to finally get to see it, and it was every bit as good as I wanted it to be. And, you know, I didn't see where they were. I just assumed it was going to be around the Manson murders and it was so different. Well, I, I wanted to let both of you know, I have a hoodie coming. I yeah. ordered for myself. I don't order many hoodies. I usually let people give me hoodies, but I happened to see this one and decided that I needed it, especially in the culture that we live in now. And I think my buddy, Andrew Breitbart, would laugh out loud if he saw me with it. And it says, facts don't care about your feelings. <laughs> That's something well, that more people need to Well, careful, somebody's feelings that truth. <laughs> but I'll be, you'll be seeing me in that here in the next uh, few days. People are going to read your uh, your hoodie, and they're going to be like, oh, i got to go check that on Snopes. Is it true that facts <laughs> don't care about your feelings? <laughs> and Snopes good. is going to be like, it, it'll be the one where it's false. in between. False. Yeah, no, so it's, it's, false. It's, it's true, but it's false, but with a with some truth to it. That yeah. They do whenever they want to like <laughs> tinge something. Yeah. yeah, that's the truth. That's true. Yeah. All right, so I I number one movie of twenty nineteen Godzilla. Mine too. That was the the best movie experience I had all year. Absolutely. That's loved the it. next thing I was going to bring up. <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you just what. Just for pure fun. I know that this guy enjoyed it. Shane did because mm-hmm. I went to the movie with him, and he was. <laughs> It was like going. He was like watching WWF or something. Oh, I mean that. That's all the movie was was just monsters like <laughs> kicking the snot out of each other. It was, fun, uh, it was fantastic. I'm it was... surprised I didn't get tossed out of the silver screen in Cabot when Mothra showed up at the end and started fighting uh, Rodan because oh, I lost. Great. I had already lost my crap several times, but I completely <laughs> lost it at uh, that what, moment. What that movie made me think of was, you know, that was the way that I saw Godzilla movies when I was eight. Yes. You know, you didn't see them as just guys in rubber suits. You saw them as these these huge titanic monsters having these great epic. Battles. Battles, and of course, you watch them as an adult, and they're campy. But as a kid, they aren't campy; they're very exciting. And so, watching this movie with these huge, like blockbuster special effects, and it was Godzilla, Mothra, Rodan, King Ghidorah throwing down for two hours, and you could tell it was a labor of love. That love that Michael Doherty just knew his stuff about Toho monsters, and and, and Bear McCreary's uh, score. He put in all those Akira Upukube. Oh, it was great! Um, like, yeah, light motifs and stings. Like, uh, it was just everything a Godzilla fan could want. I understand why maybe general audiences didn't dig it because you kind of like, oh, it's just monsters fighting each other for two hours. Like, yeah, isn't that what you want from a Godzilla movie? Well, right. Yeah. Well, and I think general audiences dug it more than the headlines tried to spin. Because when like you look it, at the numbers, it, yeah. it did fine. Oh, uh, yeah. The, um, the critic scores yeah. were, were, were great. It, it was the uh, the professional scores that were low because, oh, they didn't think it was intellectual enough. Like, yeah. it was as intellectual yeah. as a Godzilla film needed to be. Yeah, it yeah. sure was. And and I can't wait to come. It's this year, right, that we're going to get Godzilla, yep. Godzilla and King Kong. Yep, that one's coming out this stuff. year. And uh, I don't think Doherty is directing that one, is he? 
No. I don't know. I don't believe he is. Who who uh, is it, Zach? Adam Wingard. Hmm, Okay. Whoever that is. (laughs) He didn't do Skull Island, did he? No, I don't, no, think, I don't so. think so. I've got Skull oh, Island right here. That's I'm actually pretty, sure he didn't do pretty it. interesting. Then, so in this MonsterVerse, there's going to be after this year four movies, and each movie will have been done by a different director with you know a different style and a, and a different um, texture to it. That's interesting. Well, that interesting. The guy that's directing it has been very upfront. Lots and lots of action. Well, that's all we. And that's really what want. people want. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you want it's to see okay the to have a human thing. story, but don't let the human story overshadow. Exactly. The kaiju or the titans or whatever, you know, I mean, I still call them kaiju, but, yeah. and, you know, they've yeah, renamed like, them titans, so. Yeah, to give them an, sort of a, an American English name that, that Americans right. would, would we be We westernized follow, it yeah. as we always do. I think people are, right. so I think people only got acquainted with the word kaiju, like in the West, you know, Godzilla fans have been using it for years, but it didn't really become popular in the West until Pacific Rim, and I think a lot of, like, American audiences associate the word kaiju with Pacific Rim. And so that's why they came with Titan to try and differentiate it. And the first Pacific Rim is an underrated movie. I, it's, I love it's that movie. It's pretty good. I, I, um, I didn't see the great. second one. I heard the second one was kind of disappointing. It's okay, yeah. but it doesn't have the, you know, the the first one was uh, I can't believe I'm forgetting his name. Um, I just oh. Elba. Stacker Pentecost, that character. With well, yeah, Striker Pentecost. Yeah, was it Strikers? No, the the director. Uh, oh, oh, Guillermo del Toro. Del Toro. Yeah. yeah, del Toro. The second one, he was nowhere near as involved in. Mm. Uh, the second one, the interesting thing was you had divisions within the the J- the Jaegers. So you mm. had Jaegers fighting Jaegers at certain. And See, that was my the most problem with Jaegers is that I think about drinking. <laughs> well, right. Well, that's what Jaeger is. It's a uh, a hunter. So, like Jaegermeister yeah. is the master of the hunt. Okay. So that was where they, they He's said, the we one got Kaiju. Chug, what chug, are we going to call? Yeah, them? that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were like, what are we going to call the uh, the big robots? And they came up with uh, Jaeger mean, for that, Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. They called the robots Jaegers. The main guy is named Stacker Pentecost. It's not a, a movie that was meant to be taken too seriously. Yeah. It's giant it was a lot robots of fun, fighting though. giant I, I, It doesn't get enough credit, in yeah. my opinion. All so. right. So Godzilla and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I got them one, two. Mm. Uh, my number three was Us. I still haven't seen that one. I'm I'm not a big uh, Jordan Peele uh, fan. Uh, everything about it as Twilight Zone really just turned me off of him in general. Yeah. Um, maybe I'll check out Us uh, eventually. Us is pretty uh, good. I got to tell you, it's, uh, it's just a different take of Invasion to the Body Snatchers as yeah, far as yeah, I'm it's, concerned. It's a doppelganger-style story. Well, yeah. it's also, since it's Jordan Peele, and I see, I think if you're going to put social issues into movies or whatever, do it in a very smart way like Jordan Peele does, where he's not just beating you over the head and saying, well, you know, if Twilight you're not part Zone. of this ethnic like, group, like get you out. suck. Get Out was uh, good, too, a couple of years get, ago. Get Out was fantastic, in my opinion. Uh, were, were you saying that you thought Get Out was overbearing? Or no, too, no, too no, no. Okay. And now it's uh, the Twilight Zone the Twilight reboot Zone that he did. That I think it's gone, already gone down the memory hole. Yeah, I think it, it flopped, and people are just trying to avoid it. But that was him at his preachiest. I was like, what? Supposedly okay. his movies aren't like that, but his Twilight Zone yeah. series was, and it was revolting. Probably and what get, the studio wanted. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Uh, I, I'll tell you, Us probably went a few ranks lower in my list only because I loved Get Out so much. Mm. And and so Us, you know, they, they always talk about that curse of like the sophomore movie or whatever. It, yeah. uh, I liked it. 
but I set the standards so high based on Get Out that, uh, you know, it it didn't blow me away as much as I was wanting it to, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. And there's a couple of things about I like. One, I, I love the fact that he worked in Hands Across America because that's such an 80s yeah. thing, you know, a guy. I remember Hands Across America, Clear as a Bell, and, and for him to work that in. Uh, but and then I love that the, the family fought back, you know, uh, it, it was kind of cathartic uh, that the family just didn't take it, that that they fought back. Like mm-hmm. when the dad is fighting his doppelganger on the boat, you know, I was like cheering for him and everything. So it was creepy. It was very good. Well, speaking I mean, of like and, a trepidation towards sophomore movies, um, I saw Hereditary. I, I think that might have been a 2018 movie, but I didn't see it until 2019. Good movie. And yeah, I, I loved it uh, quite a bit, actually. I watched it twice, and it held up to the second viewing. Um, I have not seen uh, Midsummer, and that's by the I same director. I have not, but, right? it's, but it's one of the better movies been, of 2019. Yeah, I've been hearing really good things about it, and so maybe that one breaks the, the sophomore film curse. Yeah, I, have, but, I have not seen Hereditary. It's on my... Uh, it's, oh, good. It's, good. it's good. It's so good. Yeah, it's it's um it's an atmosphere film, So it's um, and that's kind of becoming the rage and horror movies right now which i'm appreciating is that it's movies that build dread and so some people most of the the complaints about hereditary i've heard is that people expect it's slow they, they call it lethargic it's like slow. it's like the witch and, and the babadook which yeah. are they, babadook they, was great i, I loved i love the babadook and i really enjoyed the witch um but they are slow burn you got to sit there in the dark and uh with, with the the pause button on your remote hidden and just sit there and appreciate the atmosphere you know i'll try uh, i have to confess i i had to check out of the witch when the little baby gets kidnapped i was like i can't handle it that, you mess that, with that little scene puppies or was so i mean yeah, yeah. do it to a baby yeah, when too, she's playing but, peekaboo which is yeah. and it's so spooky the way that happens in the witch yeah. we're talking about a movie what we're talking about the last decade so yeah the witch is from like 2016 or something 2015 oh but, is it is it yes yeah, it's, it's several years old well, it's but, been getting a lot of good talk lately like maybe because it just showed up on netflix or something oh the witch so, wow well, yeah. what was the southmore movie for the, the guy who did the witch oh i can't i can't even recall he had another one which mm-hmm. was good the guy uh-huh. is a good director. I mean, he really, really is. He's a good director. I'll come up with that. we got to take a break. While they're taking the break, I will do some searching and give you his Southmore movie. It's the uh, Dave Ellswick Show. Of course, we've got uh, Tim Lim is coming. We've got Shane Stacks here. He's on. Are you really doing Skype right now? I'm by the magic of the electrons of Skype. <laughs> All right. All right. We got him here doing that. And then, uh, you know. What can I tell you? The main man, the the writer himself, sits across from me, doing his his doing his his thing, Mr. Uh, Pellegrini. Yeah, I'm just finished um, another script with Tim. I'm um, actually did the final uh, touches on the third draft today. So oh, really? He's drawing it right now. So yeah, we got our next book coming out. When when are you going to do your first movie? Our first movie? Yeah, as soon as we can get that five hundred thousand dollar budget, <laughs> we're working on it. Oh, here's Tim now. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got him in the studio as well. We got more coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Dr. Tim Lim, how are you? In the house. I'm doing well. I'm Happy liking, New Year. Is that, that's like one of the original Mickey Mouses, isn't it? Yeah, it's Oswald, the yeah, lucky rabbit. That's really cool. Oh, thank you. I like that shirt. Yeah. Did you hear about the new shirt that I was getting? Yes, I did. You like what it says? I think it's a Ben Shapiro one it is facts don't care about your it's one of my one of my buddies <laughs> one of your buddies yeah ben is a good ben friend Benji. of mine he is ben shapiro i had been on when he was a young when he was young just dude. a young columnist yeah he was the youngest conservative columnist ever 
Well, you you're talking uh, yesterday about we this, you know, this network's got uh, Rush back. Yes. You're saying that you used to Rush used to be your lead in like yeah, uh, over at, at KARN. Yeah, and now he is again. Right? Now he is again. Yeah. And before that, I led into him because I was a midday guy. <laughs> I so, thought you know, I found out completely years. by accident. Was, that it happened because what happened was I got a new car and so I had to read. I forgot like oh my gosh where are all the radio stations I've all, I've always been pre- pressing one and two right right so I was searching 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 and I was like oh I got my numbers mixed up oh but Rush is on so I put it on Rush <laughs> and then it led into you on New Year's Day and, and I was like going, Whoa, well there you go yeah oh this is cool yeah yeah I'm glad that we've got right because I got it I'm gonna be honest. This is the truly conservative talk station. And now it's mm-hmm. purely conservative. That's you got, right. You got you, you got Rush, you got Larry Elder, and you have our friend Sebastian Gorka. Yep. They're all there. That's a pretty They're all lineup. here. And we got Mike Gallagher. And you got Mike Gallagher in and the morning. And he, of yeah. course, is a, uh, a conservative yeah. as well. I won't name any and it's other. And it's the only conservative radio station that also has a geek show. That's, That's true. true as well. You guys well. have fun here, which is nice. We try we to do. do that. We try to have some fun while we're doing. Um, yep. I'm going... Are you guys interested in this new movie that's being, uh, it's uh, Guy Ritchie is doing, The Gentleman. Have you seen this? I don't know. It's got Matthew McConaughey in it. No. Colin Firth is in it. Looks really, it looks like early Guy Ritchie. Uh, He did, uh, what was it? Lock, Sock, and Two Smoking smoking Barrels, which was a great movie. Mm. Great movie. He did the first, uh, what was it, the Sherlock Holmes with... uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, Downey. I, I, I always want to say Iron Man. Oh, yeah. You know, and he did Snatch. And, and this guy Ritchie that did Snatch? Yes. And and that, that was a great movie Sna- because that was yeah. uh, what Brad Pitt talking Cockney through the whole movie. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can you think you can beat him? I said, you're right. <laughs> Doing his best Dick Van Dyke, basically. Uh, yeah. yeah. It was very funny. It was, it was a great movie as well. And then what was the other movie he did? Uh, he took a uh, a franchise and kind of relaunched it, and I can't remember what it was now. That was a good one. Uh, Eggers is the uh, the director we were thinking of for The Witch, and he did The Lighthouse recently. Which only just now came out on uh, DVD or Blu-ray on Amazon like a week ago, so I haven't had a chance to see it yet, but I've been looking forward to it. It looks like it's an it, in atmos- it's black and it's white. atmospheric which, again, just atmospheric as you were talking movie. about. So again, a lot of the, the criticisms are the same ones they got for The Witch. People saying it's too slow, but you know, you got to go into it with the expectation. It's like, we also talked about It Follows, which came out this past decade, which I another thought was another movie. really good one. Yeah, but it's an atmosphere movie. one. Yeah. yeah. I liked it with the... Hey, I've got you guys on video, by the way, so it's almost like I'm there. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, he's watching on Skype. He's on Skype. Virtual shit. No, I'm watching on the Dave El- <laughs> Folks, go to the Dave Ellswick Show page on Facebook. You can see the video. Yeah, you can watch us. That's no problem. You can see Tim's uh, yeah. Oswald shirt for yourself. The Ninja. The Ninja Man. Ninja's right here. Yeah. Ninja's hey, Dave, Ninja we too. have some, uh, speaking of your video, on in the comments, we have some nominations for best movies from people watching the video. Okay, and what are they saying? Well, it's interesting that uh, Sean, uh, a watcher named Sean said John Wick 3, which yeah, is the John Wick that series was, really was a good. lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, Godzilla, Endgame, yeah. and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and then he also shouted out Joker, which I have to my eternal geek shame. I haven't seen Joker. I have not Me seen either. it either. And I Me want either. to Zach see has seen Zach it. has seen it. And it is so awesome. It is a fantastic it, movie. Go see it. Is it? I keep getting more and more of a vibe that it's Zach's like, what's wrong drive. with all you people? You exactly. That's the way I'm thinking. Right? You're true. You're true. 
Rambo. He's a taxi driver, but just with a, a, a stand-up comedian? That's or... the way it's been described, for the most part. Have you seen Taxi Driver? I've never watched it. you got to watch you... that now. Yeah. Even though it's Robert De Niro who's gone off his rocker. Uh, he, I'm just saying. He, he could still act. He, in, his, in his prime, you know, you can't pretend like he wasn't a good actor, even if they don't like him now. Look, amazing. the movie is now, I believe, on Amazon and different places. Just, just watch it. Pay well, for I have to know the Irishman Amazon? for one of the best movies of the year. I think it is for I mean, rent now. You can purchase it, I oh, believe, okay. now. okay. All right. All right. Everybody's got to hold up. we got to go to the news. Take a break. We've got more coming your way. All right. For 2020, let's start off with uh, Shane. I'll ask him. What is the movie you're wanting to see? Man, uh I, I, I want to say Cats because I haven't seen it yet, but I know I'll catch <laughs> no one's seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, okay. I'm I want to see it because Taylor that. Swift's in it. So they're uh, already advertising the Cats Blu-ray on Amazon. It's it's going to video fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, let me let me qualify that. I, I've seen the – and I know that, that Mark and Tim saw it like on a cruise or something and they didn't like it. Fair enough. The Broadway show. <laughs> I, yeah, I've seen the Broadway show twice and I, I, I saw it. <laughs> I okay. love the, the music's good. I mm. give it credit. Rumble <laughs> what? what in the world? All right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I got to be honest that uh, just kind of throwing some stuff out there. I'm curious to see Wonder Woman 1984. Okay, I got that on my uh, list. Ghostbusters. You know, stuff like that. I, I don't. Godzilla you know, versus Kong. Yeah, that's yeah. the one I'm looking forward Come on. to. And I'm looking for it because the big, uh, which one do you call it? That big thing with the, the big mastodon looking Titan that, uh, Oh, the behemoth, got, the behemoth. Yeah. I think it's, I think all the, the mammal type have gone to Kong, right? So that'll so, be interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. So, um, Toho's contracts, their licensing contracts is that, um, uh, the producers of these movies, they uh, legendary pictures. They have to pay lo- Toho licensing fees, but Toho charges for each individual monster. Uh, so mm. legendary can't afford to pay for every single Toho giant monster. So that's why they're making up so many original ones like the Behemoth. But the Behemoth looked really cool. So and I don't, I don't really mind. Um, they paid for Rodan and Ghidorah and Mothra and Godzilla, obviously. So are they bringing know. the turtle? Uh, Gamera. So it's funny. Gamera was created by uh, so he was created by Daiei Pictures, which was a competitor of Toho. Uh, Daiei uh, did not do well; they folded. They got bought by Toho. Um, Toho owns Gamera, but they won't do anything with Gamera because they don't want it to compete with Godzilla. Oh come so, on! Yeah, anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Gamera's a. I I never really liked Gamera growing up, but the past few years I like him because of Mystery Science Theater. I kind of like Gamera. I agree with that. Yeah, he's the underdog. I mean, he's he's just like Godzilla, only not as good. Which you know makes you want to root for him even harder. Well, I like. (laughs) I only like. He's like Godzilla, but he will put himself in danger to protect kids. He's the friend of kids. So, uh, Gamera, even even the movie where Gamera was the bad guy when he was first introduced. Yeah. Like, he goes out of his way to save a little kid. So, well, when he would fly uh, around, I used to like because it looked like he had bottle rockets where his legs were. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would pull his stuff in and spin. <laughs> well, he's like uh, that, that that firework that uh, you set off. It spins around on the ground, and it always yeah. goes under somebody's car, and they freak out because right. they think it's going to set the yeah. car on fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Impact Movies, uh, yeah, of course I'm looking forward to Godzilla versus Kong. And I've, I've got to go. I hope they don't do an ambiguous ending. I want to clear. I don't think they will. 
<laughs> but I've got to go with God. Godzilla's my man. I like King Kong, but I've always been Godzilla. Nah, so. I'm I'm American all the way. Come on, Kong. <laughs> so are they going to do the thing where if he gets hit by lightning, it gets stronger? Are they going to do that? Uh, maybe. They- I mean, if they're, if they're going to go that far, it didn't make much sense in the original movie. And so I don't know well, if they're going to do this one. They could put him toe-to-toe with Godzilla. He I, is, I will promise you this. There will be no helium balloons. <laughs> no giant helium movie. balloons that transport Kong around. No, right. but he is going to, I guarantee you, he's going to shove a tree down Godzilla's mouth, and that's going to be pretty great. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fun. Well, so is the fight going to happen on Skull Island? Where will the fight happen? I don't know. But you want to root for, you kind of want to root for King Kong just because, I mean, he's so outmatched. I mean, he's a giant monkey fighting a, a giant flamethrower. Not in the new <laughs> universe on Kong Island. There's no outmatch there. He just doesn't have a breath weapon. Well, he's, he's, he is big now, too. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's, he's as big as Kong. That's what I'm talking about. And he's, he's still nimble. Growing. He's a lot more nimble than Godzilla And what is. I liked um, about Skull Island was they showed that he can use weapons. So he grabbed, like, that anchor and propeller and used it like a flying guillotine, <laughs> yeah, you know? that was good like, stuff. If he does stuff like that in the new movie, it's, it could be really, really cool. Well, yeah. he's also got pet terrifying spiders that will show, shove their sharp little legs down your mouth. Yeah, yeah that, that was, that was disgusting. The daddy long that legs and death. Uh, I'll tell you one movie I'm not looking forward to, even though in general, I like superhero movies of every stripe. I'm not looking forward to Birds of Prey, the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Everything about that is giving me like the wrong signals. Yeah, I do want to see. I do want to see Black Widow, though. Yeah, that looks pretty good. It looks really good. Yeah, that's looking good. And I think, you know, uh, the actress for that, Johansson would want to make that as good as she possibly could see it because it's going to be kind of her final hurrah. Mm-hmm. At least for the time being. Yeah, You know how it is in superhero movies as in comics, no one stays dead forever. Hey, did they quietly cancel the Hawkeye TV series after Jeremy Renner got in trouble or something? No, is I that think still it's, happening? I think it's, it's still, still happening. happening. Yeah. Yeah. Saying still happening. Yeah, it's still happening. Hmm. But that one, he's teaching his daughter. His daughter is going to be. <laughs> oh Hawkeye. yeah, because there was a female Hawkeye in the comics for people who don't know. Did well, you get, he set it up at the, in Endgame when he when she's shooting and he calls her Hawkeye. Because yeah. he never gets called Hawkeye in the movies one time. And matter of fact, they're going to start the filming, I believe, like a few months from now. So it's still good. Okay. Are you guys hearing that the the ne- the next Ant Man movie is the final one? Really? Oh, wow. Man, I didn't even know they're going to make a next Ant Man yeah, movie. There's going to be a new Ant Man movie. Those and I really like I think that Rudd has done good with that yeah. character. Well, Tim saw the second one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it. it was fantastic. I like the second one better than the first one. I like it. Was the, the well, yeah, they threw the big Pez dispenser on them. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> they, really good. They carry their building around in a suitcase. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, 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 it's stupid, dumb, fun, like comics in the 60s and 70s and 80s you know yeah because it's just yeah there's always that question that i always had for the jetsons you know when george's car would fold up into his suitcase and he'd just pick it up and walk <laughs> away it doesn't alleviate the fact that that suitcase must weigh two thousand pounds <laughs> well they've yeah. already established they have anti-gravity i can't yeah. believe we're dissecting the jetsons but they have anti-gravity technology the jetsons now here's a movie speaking about 2020 horror movies so we should all be about this came right out the gate and is evidently not doing super well the, the grudge. grudge is this a remake no what's going on with it? it's kind of a remake but what everybody has always wanted on the grudge is not to be pg-13 but to be r-rated and yeah. this one is r-rated and it is so bloody it is you see i kind of do oh sorry zach 
He's talking uh, to someone in the other oh, room. Oh, okay, sorry. Oh. Um, yeah, no, the, the grudge. So there are so many different versions of the grudge. It started out as a TV movie, and then there was a theatrical Japanese movie, um, right. which uh, is easier to find. And I actually like that one quite a bit. And the, the American grudge remake is a remake of the... Japanese, uh, Japanese one. theatrical one, which is a remake of the Japanese TV movie, right. and this one's like it's like we're at a telephone game of grudge stories now. I think we're on like our fourth or fifth version. <laughs> yeah, these belching ghosts. <laughs> Have you seen? Speaking of Shutter, the last time I was on, I, we were recommending Dave get Shutter. On Shutter, they have a Japanese movie where it's the ring versus the grudge. Yeah, and it's it's pretty bad. I don't think you want to watch it's that fun. one. It's it's, it's goofy. Fun. It's kind of funny to see the Japanese taking their own Freddy and Jason style characters yeah. and doing something like that, you know, not taking it so seriously. Yeah. Um but it is it's so far removed from like the original Juon, uh the Japanese version of the grudge. It's it's a really creepy movie it's it's genuinely really good same thing with the original well, that little kid hopping around you know? meowing that's some creepy stuff yeah no the original but now we're it's the same thing i guess with uh you know the original nightmare in elm street is a genuinely unnerving uh movie but then you get to it freddy's is. dead where it's so goofy yeah, it's so far removed and, that, and that's what's itself. happening with yeah. the the ring and and Ju-On franchises that they're, they're getting so goofy now. what i liked about the original ring the japanese version mm-hmm. Was a scene where the ghost is coming down that hallway and the lights are going off mm-hmm. as it comes down. That is a creepy scene. Oh yeah, and they've emulated it like they, they use it as a parody like so many yeah. times. I know, it was yeah. so well done. I mean, it was very well, well done. The original Juon had one of my favorite scenes. It's where um, the girls in the elevator, and it's got you know you can see the it's one of those sliding door elevators where you can see mm-hmm. out the front of it, but her back's to the door. And each time she goes down a floor, she sees that ghost kid, and he's on each floor staring yeah. at her. And like, oh, that that is such a well shot, but simple, but creepy scene. So does he does he meow in the original? Yeah. So the the deal with um, I think his name is Toshio. There's like a dead cat. And yeah. A dead so boy, what happened right? was that um, the the father uh, killed his son and the cat at the same time by drowning them both at the same time. So since they died at the same times, their their souls are like mixed together. So the yeah. the, the boy meows like a cat. Trust me, it's creepier and, and uh, it's creepier on Phil. Now, when you recommended <laughs> Shudder to Dave, did you recommend the American version or the Japanese version? Of sh- I didn't know there was a Japanese version. Oh, you, uh, he's, talking about, he's talking Not about Shudder. Yeah. Shudder. No, oh, Shudder. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I've only seen the Japanese version of, of Shudder. I haven't seen well, the good for it's you. It's a Thai version. But yeah, it's, it's a Thai, Thai version. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I got to say, and I've been watching more. Is is the cool thing to say J horror? Yeah, on okay. Amazon Prime, some of that stuff's pretty good. J horror, oh, yeah. what's that? Japanese horror. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, it's like J pop. It usually involves okay. girls in school uniforms. That somehow. that is their version of the slasher. Is that they really do love the long haired girl ghosts? I mean, there then there are some like low rent, really cruddy versions like Ju Ray. You know, instead of Ju on, there was a knockoff called Ju Ray, and that one's really dire. You probably don't want to watch that, but there's some well, good ones out there. The ones I found on Amazon are like an anthology series. I can't remember mm-hmm. the name of the top, but it's like each one's like an hour long with like five stories in it. And they oh, all involve either a schoolgirl or a vengeful girlfriend. <laughs> or or bathrooms. Yeah. They, they do like stories. Like uh, I think Shudder had, had uh, the bathroom scene in it, right? Yeah, but it, was, yeah. it wasn't a scary scene. It was actually a comedic scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's always the scene from that, episode, well, that movie I remember. Yeah. Shudder, I just want to say, and I'm not going to give away, the creepiest thing in Shudder is when you find out why his back's been hurting. Yes, why that's the twist. That is creepy. Yeah. yeah. It well, is a great twist. Okay, before we go to break, who's the guy in Japan, the director? 
that's done a ton of movies. And he had the one that he did that is so over the top where the guy's hanging by the by oh, the fish hooks and all that. The old boy director. Yeah, yeah. and he did yeah. um he did to, verses. What was it? Tahishi Mike or something? Uh, Tosh, um Mike. Tosh, uh Toshi Mike something. Yeah, I'll have to look at it. Boy, that guy yeah. pushes the envelope. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that it uh it's wrong or anything. I'm just saying he has a really bizarre vision. Yeah. I mean, I saw Versus, made. and Versus, as, it's kind of goofy because it's like a martial arts zombie movie. Um, but it's it's <laughs> actually, it's, if once you go into it knowing that it's not a serious horror movie, it's it's actually really fun. Who's and doing the martial arts? The hero or the zombies? Oh, everybody's doing the martial arts. The zombies the zombie martial everybody's arts. Everybody's okay. kung fu fighting. <laughs> yeah, well, one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in any zombie movie ever was Dead Alive. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Dead Alive. The priest says he kicks butt. But From, it doesn't say but in the name of the Lord, and then starts doing martial arts. All well, he, what he says when he first like drops in on the zombies is like it's time for some divine intervention. <laughs> Jump kicking at him. Have you yeah. seen that alive, Dave? It's it's uh, Peter Jackson, his zombie movie. Yes, yeah. All yeah. the Kiwi accents. I, I love the. Which one is it that? The guy picks up the lawnmower. That's dead alive. Yeah, yeah that's dead alive. And he it's just so eviscerates good. everybody yeah, with the lawnmower. So good. Yeah. I mean, that's a great movie. I mean, I, I'm sure Peter Jackson doesn't even want to talk about it anymore. I think well, he's pretty yeah. proud Peter of Jackson it. Yeah. has a pretty vile beginning because he did Meet the Feebles, yeah. which yeah, is completely bad. disgusting. And then he did that. Bad taste. Yeah, that was another one. That was yeah. a sci-fi movie. Meet the Feebles was his puppet movie, and then Dead Alive was his uh, his horror movie. And then somehow he went on to do prestigious films like Lord of the Rings. What, yeah. what happened there? All but, three. Yeah, the movie that got him over to there was was it Heavenly Creatures. That was uh, good. The, the two girls. That, that was very good. I think that's the one that kind of put him on a serious track. I kind of liked at the end of that movie. I'd never read the book, and somebody told me that he ended it the way the book ended. But the uh, the poetic justice way that that movie ends is so well done. I really, really liked it. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with more. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Tim Lim is here. Mark is here. And uh, so, uh, Pellegrini, sometimes I don't say everybody's last name. Let me say, uh, you know, yeah, Mark Zuckerberg is here. And then uh, Shane Stacks, by the miracle of technology on your computer, is here as well. And we're just talking during the break about Kyle McLachlan, uh The Hidden. The hit. Okay, thank you. Um, I was just telling Dave that I, I finally watched the original Twin Peaks. Like, oh, wow, you know, like 30 years too late. But, yeah, I finally uh, checked that out and I haven't gotten to the event series yet, which is um, you know more about this discussion about the best movies of the past 10 years. Uh, but, yeah, Twin Peaks, um, most of it held up up until um, they revealed uh, Laura Palmer's killer, um, and then there are still like 20 episodes left. Yeah. I was like, oh boy, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> David Lynch is an interesting character. Or Cronenberg. Uh, and Cronenberg is really, really good. I've, it, so I've seen is, Lost is Highway. Is he still alive? Oh, Cronenberg? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, um, David Lynch did uh, Twin Peaks. We're also talking about yeah. Cronenberg, like Videodrome. And yes, Cronenberg, Cronenberg is still alive. Um, he's uh, uh, He kind of got a little uh, carried away with himself, Cronenberg did. Um, he He started doing this whole like, thought he was Andy Warhol kind of thing. But I do like Videodrome a lot, um, and I liked um, The Brood. And 
Geez, I like Rabbit and Shivers. And And The Fly, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah, The Fly. No, I mean, I like his films a lot. Uh, David Lynch, I have a harder time with that. I haven't seen, like, Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive. Yeah, you got to see Blue Velvet. I've seen Lost Highway and Eraserhead, though. Uh, Lost Highway. Blue Velvet's a must. I know. Apparently, I haven't seen the really good David Lynch movies like Blue Blue Velvet and Mulholland Drive. Instead, I watched uh, Lost Highway. Was Mulholland Drive or Mulholland Falls? (laughs) Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive. Mulholland Drive is really good. And I... And I watched uh, Lost Highway instead. Like, ah, this is really good up until the, the middle of the movie where all of a sudden nothing makes any sense. <laughs> well, he did Dead Ringers. He did mm-hmm. The Breed. He, uh, he, oh, you're talking he, about Cronenberg? Yeah. Yeah, The Breed I mean, was these, these great. All, he did Rabbit and Shivers, and he, he's done great films. I'm just looking was, here. Was Rabbit the one about the lady that had the tentacle that would come out of her armpit? Ah, uh, yes, it was. <laughs> okay. um, and it was a, it was she had wounds all over her that looked like um They're remaking else. that movie. Yeah. I'm kind yeah. of concerned about that, but yeah. I mean, and Shivers was the one with um, the the sex zombies, I guess is what you'd call yeah. them. And but then yeah. he made one of the best crime movies ever, Eastern Promises. I have not seen that oh, one. Oh, my. Yeah, I've seen yeah. Um, Scanners. Ar- he did Scanners. Aragon is in oh, that movie. Oh, he was also in Texas Chainsaw Massacre yeah. 3, uh, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah. yeah, he is really good in Eastern Promises. Mm. They have a fight in a steam room with those <laughs> knives that look like the, the thing that's Guys lay carpet with those curved knives oh, yeah, from Russia. Yeah. Holy cow. That's, <laughs> that's a brutal scene, but it's a great movie. Yeah. I got to rewatch um, The Dead Zone because he did the Christopher yeah. Walken version of The Dead Zone. Yeah, he's really a good. great director. He, he was. He's, and he um, does all kinds yeah. of movies. I know he doesn't just do body horror, which he's most known for, but uh, those are the ones he does that I like the most. What was the one that he did that had, they had the machine that hooked up to him? It was a really bizarre kind of one of Cronenberg's really strange movies, more like video. Well, drone. you got to yeah. get a little bit more defined. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, <laughs> Just say his strange movies. Yeah. The yeah. Cronenberg movie with body horror in it. Which one? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Did he do crash? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember. I know the movie you're talking about where people would crash on purpose. And yeah. Then and then they would make out in the wreck or yeah, whatever. They reenacted but, yeah. crashes and it was, it was disgusting. <laughs> yeah. Really that was, was not a good movie. It was disgusting. Opinion. Well, it was a disgusting movie. It was interesting. I'll say that much. Yeah. It was because it was based on people who had that that psychological hookup. You know. Well, geez, wasn't it. that the the plot of uh, Death Proof, the Quentin Tarantino one? Um, for that's the one Quentin Tarantino movie I've never seen. The one with the cars. Yeah, with Kurt Russell, yeah. and he, he can only uh, he can only enjoy himself when he's crashing his car and killing someone in the seat next to him. That's yeah. the only uh, uh, Tarantino movie I haven't seen. I saw well, it. He produ- it was that was of part boring. of his Grindhouse. It was stuff, part right? of the Grindhouse, and, and it um, was boring. I thought it was really boring because it came after um, Rodriguez's uh, Planet Terror, oh, which, which was so good, which was so exciting. And then they do Death Proof, which was a drag. You know, yeah. Right. Was Planet Terror the one where the lady had, the lady the had a gun, gun machine gun, gun leg? leg. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she would Rose spin. McGowan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Who that was. Uh, hey, Really? We got a question on uh, somebody on Facebook on the video is saying, can you guys respond to Facebook poster questions, including yes. Dave? Why not? Okay. Yes. Sure. Throw them out there. I'll Just read them to you guys. Because Shane, he'll have to read them to us, but that's all right. Because yep. I need, and it's something we've already talked about, I need to have a, a, you know, something in here, a tablet or something where I can keep that pulled up and uh, be able to see what people are saying to us. Mm-hmm. Well, we're saying the reason we were talking about Video Drama Cronenberg, Shane, is because we're saying that you existing 
um, via Skype is kind of like Brian Oblivion from Videodrome, oh, which is the guy who exists go. only on a series of video cassettes that people plop in and they think he's alive. We're going to start calling you Max Headroom. <laughs> yeah. It's even weirder right now because my only experience with Shane is listening to him, and I'm staring at that camera, and it reminds me of Hal. (laughs) It does. There's nothing to worry about, Tim. Dave. Dave. I can't do that, Tim. It was called Extential. That he did. A game designer on the run from Assassins must play her latest virtual reality creation with a marketing trainee to determine if the game has been damaged, and it's starred Jude Law, Jennifer Jason Lee, okay. Ian Holm, William Defoe, and uh, that's about the biggest. Uh, Sarah Polly was in it too, but that's Cronenberg. I don't know. How do you pronounce that? You tell me. Existence. Oh, Existence. Okay, yeah. okay. yes. Oh, I existence. have heard of that, that one. Had, yeah. uh, that sounds like a male enhancement was- <laughs> That does. <laughs> That was a that was almost kind of a proto uh, inception because it had a virtual reality within a reality thing kind of going on. It was really uh, a bizarre movie, yeah. but it was Cronenberg again. They're all bizarre. He, movies. He well, the reason that it was Cronenberg is because the video game controllers were actual little creatures that you could dissect <laughs> and see their intestines. Yeah, and stuff. that sounds like Cronenberg. It was. Yeah. It was body yeah. horror. It's all in there. All right, we got a break. Take the news. Come back. Tim Lim promises to talk at that time. show i just talking to russ he's on his way out and i said have a great weekend he said no i gotta come back his wife had something shipped here from uh, amazon must weigh 85 or 90 pounds i guess and he's gotta come back and get it and do it and it, it was so funny mark says I, I said yeah the last thing i'm getting today is i'm getting a new knife sharpener because all my knives are like dull i mean it was so dull i went to cut open a box the other day and it wouldn't cut to tape so I need something to sharpen my knives. And, uh, yeah, Billy Green said, yeah, if your wife sent it, it would be the 
the grindstone. <laughs> that's 85 pounds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the big wheel. <laughs> Doing my thing as far as that's concerned. Hey, welcome back. Last hour, Dave Ellswick show uh, for a uh, week that started off in, what was it, 2019 and finishing up in 2020. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can do that. Yeah, all that see you next decade talk. Yeah, and here we see are. You next, well, that, yeah, <laughs> see you next decade was only beat by see you next millennium and see you next century uh, right. at the turn, which will never be there again. So no, I not will not us, be anyway. at the next century. I can almost I'll guarantee. be a brain in a jar. I'll be, I'll be fine. Yeah, <laughs> a brain in a jar. I'll be inside. A brain in a computer. <laughs> I can't I can't believe, you know, there's people that, this, uh, what, what do they call it, where they're going to meld men and machines together completely. What? Cyborgs? The, uh, <laughs> well, no, there's a the singularity. Solid, singularity, uh, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. want to have anything to do with, I'm not going to have a body, I'm just going to be a brain. <laughs> there's just something about that that's kind of repulsive to me. Yeah, what's so? Yeah. What's fun about that? There nothing. is nothing you can't, fun about it. You can't it. eat food. You can't taste things. No, yeah, you can be really funny on Futurama <laughs> when, <laughs> when your head is in a jar. <laughs> That's good, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that old horror movie from the fifties? The, the brain and they kept the brain in the bottle. Oh, and they, yeah. Um, the brain. Of the, well, there was the brain that wouldn't die, which That's was that it. lady's head that With was Ray like Milan. On, yeah. The brain that wouldn't die. Uh, there you go. I still prefer the man with two brains. Well, that was good, too. Into the mud, scum queen. That's the best <laughs> line from that movie. Good stuff. Good stuff. Got to love all of that. But everybody went crazy when we killed El Bagatti or whatever his name was mm-hmm. over there. And But they can't get their hands around this dude that we just knocked off. The most ridiculous thing that I've heard, and I'm going to talk a little politics here. Because a lot of you expect me to talk a little bit of politics and anything that I do. Here's what I don't understand. The people who are saying, why would you kill him? Yes, he had Americans' blood on his hands. But now, the Iranians are really going to be mad. And they're they're, going to kill us. They're already mad. and They're already trying to kill us. I mean, this isn't going to make it any worse. And how are they going to get their military to the United States? They can't. Right. Well, and I think I think a lot, especially on the conservative side, there are a lot of conservatives who I agree with. They're non-interventionists, right? Like they don't want us involved in foreign wars. But Rand Paul, yes, the way the way I see it, and I was having this discussion with my dad today. If you look at Trump's um, strikes so far against certain people in the Middle East, they're all very surgical and precise. Mm Right. For example, he dropped the mother of all bombs within his first year of the presidency. He took out Baghdadi recently, and then obviously now um, uh, with uh, with the recent thing that yeah, happened, Soleimani. Soleimani. Um, it's the idea that there are, and that was surgical. He was all over the place. Right. And and in every single case, there has been no instance of escalation whatsoever. Right. Right. Like. Uh, in fact, I mean, the ISIS caliphate's virtually obliterated ever since the Trump administration took over. So I think that I, I agree with the argument that you don't want to have more U.S. intervention, but I don't think that what Trump is doing is leading to that. No. I just don't right. see any evidence of it whatsoever. No, I think surgical is a good way to put it. It's like we're we're not going in without a plan. We're not just indiscriminately trying to do shock and awe, shock and awe, which is one of the dumbest uh, things in the world. They know shock and awe is coming, so they just watch it and go, yeah, great. Well, here's the uh, key. Just let yeah. me say that yeah, I, sure. I know what the United States military is capable capable of, and what Rumsfeld and all of those guys did, quote, shock and awe, there was no shock and awe there. I'm just telling yeah. you, 
They if they want if we want it like in the, the movie Gladiator, when Russell Crowe said "Unleash hell on them." If right. we wanted to unleash hell on them, we could unleash hell yeah. on them. I'm just saying. Well, I mean, and and despite what a lot of people think about America now, we're not an unleash hell kind of country. I mean, we, we, you know, we're 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 a cancel we're culture. Just, Come yeah, on, right, yeah. We'll cancel we're, culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll cancel. We'll right. cancel. Yeah, you cancel uh, Iran. Yeah, no, we're taking out the people that everyone knows are bad guys. Yeah. Even when CNN calls them spiritual leaders or something, and they call the yeah, terrorists mourners, you know that yeah, kind of stuff. Like everyone leader. knows that yeah. that's not what they are. It's that they were military. CBS called yeah. Soleimani a revered figure right yeah it's 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 like they're not even trying to pretend that they're not completely biased but here here's my take on trump and 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 as far as his you know in intervening if you will and in, in protecting america i feel like if trump had been president when that uh embassy was being benghazi besieged yeah i i i feel like trump would have said Get in there and do whatever you got to do. Don't just let it happen. And and I and I feel like that's that's a pretty big difference, you know. Uh, but between when they talk about elections have consequences, uh, you know, I, I don't think I don't think Trump would have let those people just get ripped apart. And then you got you've got uh, Pelosi saying, "Well, he didn't call us and tell us he was going to do it. He doesn't have to. Have to. <laughs> right, right. He's the uh, commander you, in chief." And, and, and he has no incentive to be nice right now because you're trying to impeach him. Yeah. So shut up. Yeah, sit down, shut your pie hole. As right. I like to say. Right. To bring it back to a geek talk, it was like right. I was I was looking at a, at these Thank really you. funny. <laughs> you no, no, you're gonna love <laughs> this. Shut your pie hole, Nancy Pelosi. Back to geek talk. <laughs> well, it's like this. this. So there were all these memes. It was when um we killed Baghdadi, and you know they called him an austere religious leader. So they were having these memes where it was like. Emperor Palpatine, age age eighty six, uh, uh, austere re- religious leader, dies at the hands of uh, right. radical Jedi extremist or something. I, yeah, radical extremist. Yeah, yeah n- nicely done. That was a nice segue back into uh, from that to that. Okay, so, so well are, done are you available next Friday, sir? Oh me? Yeah, Mark. Uh, well, so you guys are going to talk about Rise of Skywalker, which I haven't seen yet. So go see it. Oh, uh, I'm going to wait until it hits Disney Plus. I'm not going to. Nah. We we you had a whole a thing screen. whenever whenever we guest hosted on the twenty sixth, and Tim, who wasn't even into seeing the movie, has seen it twice. And I'm not going to say whether he liked it or not. That's his thunder. No, I like but, it. But but Mark is like, no, he's like, they are not getting my money. I'm not going <laughs> to contribute to the box office. And, okay. uh, not I did not like Last Jedi, and so I uh, I can't control the I can't control how much money that movie makes, other than the seven dollars that I could give it. Uh, I told okay. I told Mark that's why I typically don't make promises like that until <laughs> until I'm aware of something. No, I got to go see the Sonic the Hedgehog movie because I, I made fun of the the stupid special effects on the old trailer, and now they fixed it. Now I got to go see it. So yes, I understand having to to make uh, promises well, and keep them. <laughs> what what I loved was when you guys came on on the 26th and Tim spent 15 minutes explaining why he saw it. He, he <laughs> you got to justify it. I had to justify it. For the cancel culture, I don't care. All right, you, you <laughs> Go sit in your mom and daddy's basement. I don't care. Bottom line comes, I went and saw it because I saw Star Wars and in uh, 42 years ago, and I wanted to see how they wanted to finish hey, the story. Well, this, up. this is, I think, where right. this is where yeah. the explanation yeah. comes in, though, and I think there's a worthy of conversation. Is it hard for you in your mind to separate the art from the artist? Because you know how sometimes Hulk... I have a couple of exactly a couple yeah. of of actors 
that I will I will not go see uh, Rosemary Clooney's son. Right. Uh, I won't go see him. And uh, I'm I'm kind of getting to the point where I don't want to see uh, uh, De Niro now mm-hmm. because he's just I mean, turned I didn't, into a I didn't go idiot. see Avengers Endgame because all of the every single one of the actors in that movie was so repulsive and everything they were saying in media. I was like, you know, I don't think I like Avengers anymore because of these people. So I just didn't go see it. And I mean, I know Tim saw it, and a lot of people saw it, and they said it was really good. There were some cringy scenes in it, but otherwise it was good. And like, well, that's it was cool. Fun. I mean, I don't care if other people go see it. That's cool. You do your thing. And if you like the movie, that's cool, too. I'm not going to tell you what to like and what not to like. That's cancel culture. I'm just not going to go see no, it. No, we'll tell so, you what, yeah. what to like and what not to like. We will just well, not, it had, we won't it tell had you America's that you're a bad heine person. You know? How could you miss America's Heine? Yeah. Can we say ass on the radio? It had yeah. America's ass in it. It's a donkey. That's what yeah. it was referring yeah. to. Yeah, America's donkey. America's donkey. Yes, sir. You know, but you know, the bottom line is, yeah, I'm trying to think. I can't think of Rosemary Clooney's son's name because I, I don't let it. George Clooney. George, yeah, George Clooney. I will not let his, typically <laughs> let his uh, name pass through my lips because he is such a, just a flaming liberal. Yeah. I mean, he raised a gazillion dollars for Hillary. That's the other one, uh, Sean Penn. He's another one. Who, <laughs> yeah. But he, I don't think he does many movies. Well, he's a what? socialist. Yeah. So is Danny Glover. Yeah. It's funny that these people who are already multimillionaires are suddenly socialists. You know, they, they well, got so much money through their capitalism. Money yeah, right. But now they they want, uh, you know, it's like now that we've got all the money, we kind of don't the, want anybody else to get any. The only see, time I won't watch a movie. The only time I won't watch a movie in theaters um, just based on pure principle is if I know that the movie has an agenda behind it, yeah. no matter okay. how colorful the wrapping might be. That's the only time. Uh, I'm very hard pressed to think of anyone outside of like a Sean Penn type who uh, whose actions are so atrocious that's going to deter me from watching um, whatever they have to produce. And the only reason why is because two things: one, Hollywood is mostly liberal, which means everything coming out of Hollywood. Yeah, you got to understand that yeah, from the word. You have to understand go. that. The second thing is that we've been fighting a culture war uh, for a long time, but for us personally since 2016. And the thing that we've been saying is that you have to produce your own culture, right? You have to produce your own movies, your own comics, everything like that. Until conservatives can actually come up with material that can compete with Hollywood in terms of the quality of entertainment, we have no choice. We did just here recently. Did you see the movie Midway? I did. It was really good. What a great movie It, that it was, was. But, but Roland Emmerich directed it. Yeah. Hey, no, on he's that not topic, a conservative. Like, yeah. We saw Rambo Five stuff. the other day. Rambo yeah. Five, Rambo five yeah. was yeah. was some pretty uh, red blooded American uh, action. Jingoistic, so. huh? Oh yeah, I would I would call it that. Definitely. It, was it filled with jingoistic fervor? Not. Uh, no, it, it was just it was just realistic. It was like yeah, it was just this fun. is just how it is, guys. Yeah, it doesn't sugarcoat what Mexico is like. It doesn't sugarcoat what the cartels hey, are let like. Let me tell you what. Right? I'm the one who says on the air if I were president. I'd call the Mexican president and say, I'm going to send some wet teams down there, and we're going to take care of the cartels. Yeah. If he said no, I'd say, catch us. Well, that's right. kind of the uh, the plot of Clear and Present Danger oh. is they're doing off-the-books uh, fighting against. Yeah, but then like, it's the a liberal view of what happens yeah. if you do that. Right. You know. So I was going to ask, though, as going back to what Mark said, that was the Tim, paper somebody bomb, was talking about if you have money, you know, suddenly you're a socialist. Have you all seen The Aviator? Yes. When, when Howard Hughes mm-hmm. meets Hepburn's family and they have a quote unquote artist colony and they, they all declare themselves to be socialist. And so the family's grilling Howard Hughes 
And, you know, because he's making movies and making uh, airplanes and all this stuff. And and they were like, ah, oh, we don't care much about money here. And Howard, right in the middle of the dinner, finally gives up and goes, that's because you already have some. <laughs> and it just it just gets real quiet. And they mm. said, what'd you say? And he said, the only reason you don't care about money is because you have a lot. If you never had money, you would care about it. And and that pretty much ends dinner and, and he leaves and everything. <laughs> but that, that was such a great scene. All right, break, and we come back with more. You're going to stick around, Shane? Yeah, I'll stick around. All right. So Dave Ellswick show. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about 2020 and what to expect. All right, back with you here on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. 2020, I made a, a, a short list here of just at the beginning of the year. You said I want to make sure I get out to the theaters to see. Start off with the 1917. I want to see that about World War One. Not enough movies have ever been made about World War One. Well, there's Wonder Woman. Uh, yeah, yeah, there was that. I want to see uh, Uncut Gems. That's playing. That's uh, Adam Sandler. Was that yeah, that's Sandler. a good movie. We were talking about that yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They say it's going to be. A re- they say it's really good. Said Adam Sandler's. You know, it's serious. Academy Award. Kind <laughs> sure. Of stuff. Uh, well, Wonder a great Woman. Performance. Wonder Woman. 1984. Mm-hmm. Bad Boys for Life, I want to see that. Uh, the Gentleman, which is a new uh, movie with Matthew McConaughey and directed by um, <coughs> Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, oh, Guy, Guy Ritchie. Ritchie. And and he's done some real dogs, but he's done some good stuff. Harrison Ford comes out here in a couple of months with Call of the Wild. I think that's going to be a, a great movie. Is it based off well. the Jack London Yes, dog? Okay. absolutely. It's got the, the dog looks cool. Looks very cool. <laughs> Uh, one that I'm worried about because I think it's going to be one of those, quote, woke movies, The Invisible Man. Uh, and what I'm reading is that the guy is like uh, uh, beats up his wife and stuff and then becomes uh, invisible or whatever. And she's trying to tell people he's trying to kill her and so all that. So it's basically like, um, what was that one with Kevin? Hollow Bacon? Man. Hollow Man. Yeah. Which, uh, Hollow Man, Which I mean, pretty not, good. I mean, it did not hide <laughs> the fact that as soon as he became invisible, he did terrible things and he yeah. was invisible. Which is, you know, even going back to the original Invisible Man, he that's kind crazy. of the point of it. Is that well, with yeah, the, the power premise of, of the original yeah. Invisible Man is that a scientist turns invisible, but it also drives him sociopathic. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's he's just egotistic. He before, just turns into a supervillain because he realizes right. he's unstoppable. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of the point of it. Yeah. But Kevin Bacon was good in that movie. He was. Um, it was the only who thing was that was the weird director about of that? that. Oh, it's a guy who geez. did Star Trip, Starship Troopers. Was oh, it really? Yeah. Yes, it Roland, was. Not Roland Emmerich. Uh, no. What's his name? Paul, Ver- Paul uh, Verhoeven. Yeah, Robocop. I didn't yeah, know Verhoeven. That. Yeah, he's was. the one who did it. Yeah. The only weird thing about that movie was at the end when he turns into like the translucent man. You can see yeah. his organs and his stuff. Yeah. He somehow becomes like a Terminator, and they set him on fire, and he's like unstoppable. And like, why is he unstoppable? He's just a normal guy. He's naked. Yeah, <laughs> he and he's naked. And if you're on fire, yeah. and you're naked. Yeah, he's you're uh, unstoppable. Worst things to think about. <laughs> All right, I'm looking forward to Bloodshot. I think that's yeah. going to be interesting. We'll see. And the, the, saying, if, if they follow the comic at all, it, it should at least be fun action. Yeah, it could I agree. Be. Uh, Valiant has been having a lot of trouble trying to get their movies and TV shows out. Like they're trying to launch the the Bloodshot TV series starring Jason David Frank and the Bloodshot movie at the same time. That's kind of weird. Actors. Well, yeah. they got bought out by like a Chinese company. Yeah, I think it threw a monkey wrench because they wanted to turn all their stuff into like movies and yeah. whatnot. All Let's right. See. A Quiet Place 2. I've just seen the trailer for it. It says it, a prequel. Right? Yeah, it's kind of. it starts off at, kind of at a prequel time. It starts off 
on the day that the aliens invade and mm. it's awesome looking i'm just telling you, it yeah. is awesome looking i like the quiet place i do hope that they kind of address the fact that how come nobody in the world was able to figure out that these creatures are super cool hearing are vulnerable to high-pitched sounds except a little I think girl it's figured that it happens so quick yeah, i guess because the, that has to be it yeah um but, uh, because know, it that, wasn't it was in the script that's yeah it was in the script you know, that's how you get a movie yeah right i, I really <laughs> liked a quiet place the only thing i didn't like about it was at the very end like all the men are dead they've been through incredible trauma and they start smiling to each other as they cock their shotguns, waiting for the animals that to was come a in. Little, and, yeah, I guess they're trying to yeah. give it a triumphant ending, but that yeah. was kind of yeah. weird. All right, so yeah, but I like the movie. They're going to remake Candyman. It's uh-huh. coming out this this summer. I'm looking forward Ooh, to that. Who's involved? Is Clyde Barker involved? Uh, I don't know if he is or not, but I do know that Tony Todd's going to be back in the movie. Candyman for life. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? Candyman for life. <laughs> I like so that. Is it a remake or is it a continuation or is it both? It's this both. is a continuation but yeah. remake yeah. as well. It could, you can't Thoughts. go back to Cabrini Green. It's not there anymore. Well, it's kind of like right. Hollow. It's like Halloween. Right? Yeah. They just recall it. They just call it Candyman. And it's a sequel and, and reboot. That's right. that's one of those things that I think that more of these franchises kind of need to figure out is they're not recasting Tony Todd. Even if they're changing the continuity or doing whatever, they know that Tony Todd's Candyman. So they're not trying to pull like a Jackie Earl Haley as Freddy Krueger, you know, getting rid of Freddy. Uh, for the interesting England, thing yeah. on – oh, go ahead. I interrupted you. Oh, no, that, that's all I was saying was that they're, they're changing up the continuity, but they're keeping the uh, the signature actor. Well, the, the interesting thing on the original Candyman, I know they made sequels, was that uh, – he died, and the lady became the new urban legend. That's how they ended that. I know one. that they kind of ignored yeah. that in the sequel. Yeah. Um, and the sequel's pretty good. Farewell to the Flesh is the third one. Day of the Dead is the one to avoid, um, like the plague. That's the one that killed that franchise. That three movies was so bad, but the first two are are, are legit good films. Okay, so Candyman says this: a spiritual sequel mm. to the nineteen ninety two horror film Candyman that returns to the deny- the now. Gentrified. I don't know. That's actually an interesting Chicago topic. neighborhood yeah. where the legend began. So they're they're actually they're moving it in real time, and they're addressing the fact that Cabrini Green is gone, and that yeah. things have changed, and that, that could be a really interesting approach to it. And yeah, it's kind of like it's pulling the Halloween 2017 thing or 2018 thing, where it's a sequel to the first movie, ignoring all the other ones. Right. Uh, yeah. Candyman. Candyman. Don't do it. Candy. <laughs> what are you doing, Dave? I love the Bring scene on in the, the first one where there's psychology as a believer, and she summons Candyman because he wants to see, and Candyman just like kills him from behind the chair. Yeah. That was a great scene. Yeah. Nia DaCosta, the writer, Jordan uh, Jordan Peele. No. And no. Clive Barker. Uh, Clive Barker, okay, look, maybe, but Jordan, Jordan Peele. We were talking earlier, Jordan Peele can be very, very good. It is it Twilight Zone Jordan Peele, it, or is it the good Jordan Here's Peele. my thing. with It's the same thing I was talking about before the break. I know his agenda. Like, I know what he's trying to do. I don't like him. All right. Well, he can do break. it in a way that... Anyway, a break. Go ahead, Come back and talk about it in a moment. Okay, so I gave you all the way up to Candyman. I give you three mm-hmm. more movies that I am looking forward to uh, this year, and these are what you're going to see during the summer. Top Gun Maverick. All right, I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a fun movie. I think it's going to be done well. So. And then uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Everything I'm... I've seen for it looks really good. So... I read the synopsis. It looks good. Well, that's a that's a big conversation in and of itself. Um, Tim and I were, I think, maybe just, were you on with Thinking Critical with me talking about Ghostbusters Afterlife? No. Or was it just me? Okay. It was, it was just you. I'm more skeptical. Yeah, so I'm... Than... 
I want to give it uh, the benefit of the doubt. I feel like they learned their lesson after Answer the Call, the 2016 movie that nobody liked. Um, so the complaints Was I've that heard the about— one with all the women? Yeah. Okay, um, that was yeah. the really bad one, the really unfunny one. Uh, but that trailer they released, it was really more of a teaser. The only two complaints I've heard from people is that, one, it didn't look like the trailer for a comedy. It was very serious. Yeah, um, and the other was that— it was full of kids, and people are worried that this is going to be like junior Ghostbusters, like a bunch of kid Ghostbusters. I don't think they're going to do that. Um, Maybe it's going to be like Stranger Things. That's and that's, not a, that's what people are saying. That's not a yeah. good thing. No, I mean, yeah. I want to give it the benefit of the doubt. I want to say that they learned their lesson after uh, the 2016 one. They're going back to the original Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. They're going back to the original continuity. Uh, so the official Ghostbusters Twitter, the Sony-run Ghostbusters Twitter page um, on Thanksgiving, they they put out a tweet that was a picture of, we want to thank all the Ghostbusters of the past. And it was a picture of the original Ghostbusters, right. the real Ghostbusters cartoon, the extreme Ghostbusters cartoon that nobody remembers. And that was it. <laughs> they did not include the 2016 Ghostbusters. Well, that surprise which me. <laughs> it sounds like they are trying to pretend that it just never happened. And that's Well, good. yeah, they even <laughs> said something in the trailer like, uh, there's been no ghosts in yeah, the past right? 30 there, years. Like, like this, you know, kind of yeah. a... I, I I've got I've actually got a drop, but I'm going to throw real quick on the Ghostbusters. The main thing I'm concerned about, other than I don't want Stranger Things because they're like driving through a cornfield and all that, and the Ecto yeah. looks like they're doing Stranger Things. Whatever, we'll see. I to me in Ghostbusters, the city of New York is another character, and I'm curious yeah. what if you remove Ghostbusters from the setting of New York City. I'm I'm curious. We could what, get something different, which might be yeah. good. I mean, there's some. You could see a few hints in that. Like, there's a ghost yeah. that escapes from a mine shaft, and it says Shandor Mining Company. So maybe they're they're exploring. I'm like Ghostbusters, yeah. the video game, explored the whole mythology of Evo Shandor right. and Gozer, and maybe they're going into that with this one that Shandor had different, like you know, Gozer mm-hmm. gateways around the right. country, and that could be an interesting. Obviously, they're not doing New York because it's too expensive to film in New York, so they're doing right. it somewhere and else in the cornfield. Go back to New York and kill De Blasio. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, I'm just, well, I'm not going there. <laughs> that was a joke, people. It was um, a joke. People so, who could watch on live, they just but saw the my thing eyes is, pop I mean, what I'm, I'm saying like, is, like, is like the the Ghostbusters being New Yorkers and New York is a really like big thing. New York huge was flavor, huge. But, but yeah. it's, it's also that Ghostbusters 1 and 2 were actually filmed in New York. It was all on right. location, yeah. and you yeah, can't you do that do it anymore. Now. It just can't right. happen anymore. So. Well, the thing, yeah. you want to talk yeah. about filming on location, though. I was looking at the film schedule for Ghostbusters Afterlife. I think they filmed it in, like, 60 days. Like this That's is, actually a pretty long shooting time for a movie. But not, not for one of the caliber of, like, Ghostbusters, yeah. you know? That's from two the, months of principal photography. That's, yeah. Like, I know what I'm doing. Principal photography. <laughs> I was like, well, hey, that was... I, I thought it was short, frankly. All right. yeah. So you're going out anyway, and you're taking your uh, beautiful wife out to dinner? Uh, no, I'm actually working. <laughs> I've been. I, she's going to go help somebody move. I've I've been working uh, the whole time we've been talking here at home. But uh, I did want to throw out some trivia there for Dave and Mark. I don't know okay. if this will be fun trivia for Tim or not. But is it okay. Dave Cronenberg? <laughs> no, yeah, David no. Cronenberg. But what what? Uh, movie prop just became the most valuable prop in horror history. Um, I think that I just mean, heard this. I just, like I mean, Dave's going to smack his head as soon as he hears why, it. Was it the armature for King Kong? No. Oh, okay, then I don't know. I have no it's idea. The, it, it's the little Zuni doll from Trilogy. Oh, that's right. Yes, the Zuni fetish doll. Yes, that was that's after right. Karen Black. 
Yes, that yeah. was after Karen Black. Trilogy that thing of was, Terror. Uh, it, it just surpassed. Pre- the previous record was set by the Axe that Jack Nicholson used to chop through the, the door. <laughs> the Here's Johnny. Right. And so this thing went up for auction. They expected twelve to fifteen thousand dollars. Do you guys want to take it a guess at what it brought in? Fifty thousand. What about you, Mark or Tim? Eighty thousand. I feel like it's priceless. I couldn't put a price tag on that little guy. <laughs> Two hundred and seventeen thousand six hundred dollars. Every it is penny. Now officially, <laughs> and I've had blind dates that look like this, so I I, I don't know why anybody wants what? to spend that much, but. You know what the sad thing is that uh, Forrest J. Ackerman's uh, Acker Mansion got liquidated, and it probably and all those irreplaceable yeah. plop props probably got you know sold for much less than that altogether. And then the Zuni fetish doll goes for two hundred seventeen. That's pretty 000. cool. Two hundred seventeen thousand six hundred dollars. Yeah. All right, I'll catch right, you guys. We'll talk to you later, Dave. As always, thanks for the invitation. Thanks. We'll see you next Friday. Is your mm-hmm. list finished? You know what? Is your list finished? My my list of up to the middle of next yeah. year. Yeah. You oh, forgot this year, pardon me. I saw one, like, I was surprised because I didn't see the trailer until we saw Rise of Skywalker. What was that? The trailer for Mulan is really good. Oh, that is no. right. The live action Mulan. The live action out. one, yeah. We'll I'm... see. I didn't like the cartoon. Oh, anyway. but I meant the mo- the live action movie. Not I, did, I did. Not, yeah, I know they're doing, they're doing all of their cartoons live action now. They're running out I of ideas. I saw the cartoon. I'm getting kind of sick of it just on principle, but yeah. it doesn't mean the movie's going to be bad. Anyway, Antlers is another one I'm looking forward to. What's that? It's a horror movie. Oh, about like a deer. It. Yeah, it I looks feel, pretty uh, cool. It looks, it looks <laughs> inadequate cool. for not knowing about. Antlers. Let me run down my list again: Antlers, nineteen seventeen, Uncut Gems, Wonder Woman, nineteen eighty four, Bad Boys for Life, The Gentleman, Call of the Wild, Invisible Man, Bloodshot, A Quiet Place Two, Candyman, uh, Top Gun, Maverick, Ghostbusters, Afterlife, and Infinite. Black Widow. Yeah, and Black Widow. Yes, we need to put Black Widow in there. Anyone that we haven't mentioned that you wow. and Godzilla bought. God, and, and oh yeah, King Godzilla Kong. versus King Kong goes without saying. Godzilla versus Candyman. Godzilla <laughs> versus Candyman. <laughs> now, how would that go down? Can Godzilla kill a ghost? I don't yeah, know. That might be interesting. <laughs> but Godzilla would have to say his name the three times into a mirror, and we'd just be like. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that'll work. No. All right. Uh, Mark, if anybody could write it into a script, Mark could, though. He could, <laughs> right. he could do it. He yeah. could do it. So what's the next script about with your guys' comic book? Oh, that's funny that you mentioned yeah. it because I was just thinking about that. Okay. So last night, well, so I'm drawing it right now, but it's a book uh, called, it's called Common America. If you like the Japanese, like, Super Sentai, Tokusatsu you're movies. talking over my head now. Like a Common Rider, Ultraman, uh, okay. Power Rangers, Ultraman, and familiar. Sailor Moon, those kinds okay. of uh, action shows. Yeah. Yeah. So that's our next thing that we're working on. And so far, I've done 22 pages out of um, 50, around 50. Are and those the pictures you've been posing? No, I haven't posted them? any okay. pictures. No. Um, I'm keeping this one pretty close to the chest until we're ready to go, which will be in about a month. Because you had some female characters that reminded me of Sailor Moon. It is, Moon. yeah. Oh, so okay. th- but I posted those, I don't know, four weeks ago, like a right. long time ago. Right. But anyway, last night we were driving, and I said to, to Mark, I said, hey, the publisher, they need an even count of eight pages, so it has to be divisible by eight. I said, we need to shoehorn two more pages in there. And so we talked about it, and he was like, I'll put it to the script somehow. And this morning he mailed me. And he was like, I did it. I worked it into the script. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, it's it's always best when you get told to have more pages in your, your comic. I mean, not for the artist because, oh, man, that stinks for him. But but for me, it's like, oh, that can decompress a scene. I can add these jokes I had to trim. The worst is when they say, Mark, we got to cut two pages. I'm like, where? Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> or in the case yeah. of us 
cutting eight pages. <laughs> oh, God. So, okay, so now you just said if you came up with 500000 you'd make a movie. I bet I could make a movie for We could make a movie dollars. for, like, less than that. We're trying to get the rights to Night of the Leapest, but Warner Brothers won't sell. The Night of the Leapest. <laughs> the rabbits, the rabbits are on attack. With Janet Lee. Are you going to have your uh, your rabbits in it if you have if you get it? They're not. They don't look ferocious. That's the problem with rabbits. They don't look that's why Natalipas is so funny. Yeah, yeah. it is so funny. That's had Stuart Whitman in it. Yeah, yeah. and, and then uh, not Montgomery Cliff, but uh, who else was in it? Wasn't Robert Shaw? Yeah, Robert Shaw yeah. was in it. Was he? Well. There's a guy that now, looked that's like a Robert really Shaw. good actor who was in a really <laughs> bad movie. Oh, what's her name from Psycho? Yeah, Janet Lee. Janet Lee was in it. Yeah, that's the only one I can know of. Yeah, she could scream good. That's the key. Bunnies. She was good looking. I get funny story. Doctor. Yamauchi was on mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. I think I listened to that and one. And we were talking about infectious diseases, uh-huh. and he, he did his first work was at UCLA Medical Center in L.A., and uh, they said that when people came in, if they were your patient, they stayed with you as your patient mm-hmm. the rest of the time you were there. And this woman came in with her daughter and uh, had... Uh, you know, the hand, mouth, and foot disease that kids get. And we got into talking about that because my grandson had it. And it was Janet Lee, and the girl that he was treating was uh, to go on to do Halloween. Jamie Lee yeah. Curtis, yeah. Yeah, Jamie yeah. Lee Curtis. I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. I asked him if he'd talked to her since, and he said, what, no. Was that a, it's a HIPAA violation, is it not? Yeah, well, not now. <laughs> not I mean, now, yeah. Been, well, Tim, you got Janet Lee's autograph, didn't you? I did, yeah. yeah. I have Janet Lee's autograph and Vera Miles. So when you talked to Janet Lee, did, did, did I you, haven't talked to Janet? Oh, you didn't. No. You just bought the, the the autograph. Yeah, it was. So there's a back in the '90s. It was actually much easier to get autographs because, like, in the wild west of the internet, you, you basically go. had these like <laughs> forums where you could just get that information. And I just remembered, like, they they had three tiers, and it was like celebrities whose autographs are really easy to get, the ones who are more difficult, and the ones who are virtually impossible. Impossible. But the good thing was there was this golden era, era of the 90s. It was right before kind of the resurgence of um, 80s pop culture where there were these celebrities who had not worked in years. And so people knew who they were, but no one was writing to them. And so I just remembered like Dan Aykroyd, Janet Lee, uh, a lot of yep. like 60s actors. They were, You would just write to them and within a week, as long as you put like a stamp in with your envelope – They'd mm-hmm. mail you right back because they had nothing else to do. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I yeah. did that with Betsy Palmer, um, you know, the actress who played Mrs. Voorhees in the original Friday the yeah. 13th. Yeah. Was that she just had, she just put the address to her publicist like online because, I mean, in, you know, 2001, Betsy Palmer wasn't really getting a lot of attention. So I was like, oh, so I'll just write her a letter and, and request a glossy. And, you know, and I got one. That's so, somebody yeah. they should see. If they would come to the horror festival, oh, she here. passed away. Oh, she yeah. did. She died. I didn't know she yeah, had died. Unfortunately, yeah, that is a bummer. All right, a break. We'll be back here on the Dave Ellswick show. We got one more segment. Don't go anywhere. All right, we got about ten minutes left. Uh, Tim Lem is here. Mark Pellegrini's here. They'll both be back next week, uh, four to six. One of the things we're going to talk about is Star Wars Nine and what we thought about it. I really enjoyed. it. I've seen it twice. I probably will go see it a third time because I pick up little things each time I watch it. What was your reason for watching it twice? Just, you know, you watch those movies or the Avengers movies, and there's always things that so much is going on mm-hmm. that you can miss things pretty easy, and they usually throw a lot of Easter egg stuff in. That was the thing that, that Shane was mentioning um, a while ago before the break. The reason I saw it twice was the first time it was comped, so 
the theater that I was doing an event for, they gave me a ticket. And right. I, I just felt obligated because I just thought, nah, I didn't really want to watch the movie, but hey, they're really nice, so I'll watch it. So I saw it. But so my wife and I had been married for four years, and every year we'd been married, a Star Wars movie had come out. So then my wife said, hey, <laughs> you watched the movie without me. <laughs> no. do, you want to go, do you want to go watch it again? No, and, you don't want that to happen. And that was the funny thing is I just said, well, I, I kind of do because I actually kind of liked it. So mm-hmm. I watched it again. But the entire reason I watched it again, second of all, was I just thought to myself, eh, I'm supposed to hate this movie, but I like it. Maybe it's because I missed something. So I watched it again. And after we got out of the theater, I said, no, nah, I like that movie. Like, I really like that movie. You know what I liked a lot about it is that when it got to the end, all the way through the Star Wars saga, there has been an element, and I'm not going to say it's Christian or anything, but of spirituality. Of course, yeah. And at the end of this movie, they zero in on that, Mm -hmm. which was really, really important. Yeah. And it explained a lot of the ghosts that you see and things of that nature. Because the ghosts have always been a part of Star Wars. And spirituality, even though it's kind of a pop culture spirituality, is yes. the idea that it's an inoffensive idea of the immaterial. And the only thing about the movie I didn't like, and again, we're talking about agendas, where I'm like, look, if there's an agenda behind it, I just don't like it, mm-hmm. is it's wholesome. Up until the last three minutes, they insert this trope called last-minute lesbian. Disney does it all the time in all of their cartoons and all of their TV shows, where at the very end, they just have to show you Here's lesbians. And it's like, why? Like, why did you do that? You know, that? I missed that kiss. I did, too. I missed it the first time. And oh, then did you watch the Chinese cut of the movie? Where <laughs> <you> moved- <laughs> no, no, no. It's because, it's because it happens so quickly. It's and in it's the background. And it's in the focus. background. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, a friend told me, they're like, oh, did you not see the lesbians kissing? I was like, what? So the second time I saw it, I was just like, oh, pff, there it is. Yeah. So I, I had not. I, I, I've seen it twice. Yeah. So now I'll go and I'll be zeroing in on it. Where and that's why you'll they? see it. Yeah, and because I saw it. the first time because Shane had told us about it. Yeah, well, you told me you, you mentioned you asked me about it, and I said I didn't see that. And he said, "Man, I can't believe you missed that, Dave." Because I always pick up on that stuff. There were parts of that movie where you know I, I'm not, like I said, watching a third time or whatever. I'm sure there's things I'm gonna pick up on. But um, a friend of ours pointed this out that I had not thought about before because I was like, I wonder why I like that so much. There's a part where you know she throws the lightsaber into a fire. Yeah. And that's when Mark Hamill shows up, and he grabs the lightsaber yeah. and he brings it back. Right. And she, he, he says, a Jedi doesn't do this to a weapon. And I just I remember being in the theater being like, why does that seem really cool to me? And then a friend of mine told me today, he was like, it's because if you remember in The Last Jedi, when Rey gives him his lightsaber, he throws it over his shoulder. Yeah. And so this is basically just retconning that and being like, Forget all that stuff that happened in the last movie. Don't they also That's say not that the, the, the Holdo maneuver like won't work? Yeah, you know, they said they, the Holdo move maneuver. They're like, don't deal with it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like who cares? And I thought that the, the way that they presented uh, Palatine or whatever, yeah. Palatine, Palatine, Palpatine, tomato, tomato, tomato. Anyway, I thought they they did a good job on that too. And, and I love the actor. I like that villain. Yeah, I, he's I good. like the emperor. He's just he's pure evil. Yeah, he's just. Eat chewing the scenery. Yeah, and he was good. Yeah, it was fantastic. the same guy that's always played it. Yeah, I mean, he was McDermott. really, really good. Yeah. Who was it? Ian, uh, Ian McDermott. McDermott. Yeah. Oh, okay, it was it was very well done, and you know it was in the darkness. You know the people from you know that were following him stuff. They kept him in the dark, and but you could hear him murmuring in the background and, and it, everything. It was like a satanic cult, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, it's the way that they presented him. Yeah. It was really good. I loved it. Was it was good. Yeah. And I liked the way it ended. It didn't. It didn't end really super 
icky sweet. Mm-mm. It was bittersweet the way it ended. I like. I mean, I think that they just wrapped a nice bow around it. And I think if you hate if you hate the sequel trilogy, you can't not be satisfied at just being like, well, it's over, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's I mean, the way I felt about it. I was waiting for the story to end. Right. It was time for yeah. it to end. And uh, they left it so that Ray can come back. If she wants to. Yeah, if, if they want to bring, you know, Daisy, whatever her name is, back to do this. The so. three, well, the three principal actors said they're never coming yeah. back. Oh, really? But Boyega yeah. on Twitter has been on getting eviscerated because he's been criticizing the movies on Twitter. And he's, you know, pointing out, like, this. all my character did for three movies was scream, Ray! And so people are, you know, well, the, the people who like what? The Last that's Jedi. That's what you were supposed well, to do. That, that's the thing, is he, though he's being funny about it. And so yeah. a lot of these people who like The Last Jedi are coming after Boyega saying, oh, that's ignorant of you. How dare you? And he's he's just posting memes back at him. He's laughing at him. So, I mean, I'm kind you of know, in Boyega's camp right If now. he's being serious <laughs> about it, I say send your checks back. Then. We'll talk about it next week in more detail. But, for example, like The Last Jedi, the critical rating on Rotten Tomatoes was all the critics liked it. But the audience hated it. Yeah. Now, The Rise of Skywalker is the complete opposite. The The critics hated it, but the audience score is really good. This is the thing that kills me is a lot of people are like, well, it's because the audience score is bought off, too. It's all Russian bots. And I'm like, no, you can't do the moving goalposts thing. Like, if it's you're going, only Russian bots when you disagree. With right. Yeah. You can't do that. Like, and I can tell you that I'm probably part of the audience score. If someone was like, rate that movie for me from, you know. Uh, whatever, a failing score to 100, I'd be like, I don't know, like a 92? I, I think that would be like a fair I estimate. gave it a B plus. I gave it about an 88 is what I gave it. Yeah. You know, and I the thing, the real thing that ticked me off about some of the folks was, oh, it's just all fan stuff. Mm-hmm. They just put it in to make it so that people, you know, if you followed a series of movies for 42 years, you deserve a little love. Yeah. That's just the way I look G- at give that. Give them what they want. You want Lando? Yeah, we want Lando. Yeah. Do you, want, you want us to kill him off? No. Okay, we won't kill him yeah, off. Yeah, we'll leave him do his thing. Yeah. You know? Here's my attitude for Star Wars and like the sequel trilogy, which, you know, I've, I don't like him, whatever. If you don't like something about Star Wars, guess what? There is so much other Star Wars stuff that you can watch. Like The Mandalorian is out right this now. This is Mandalorian great. Mandalorian is great. So you know what? You don't like the sequel trilogies? I Watch The Mandalorian. You great show. Ca- you There's... hear what they're calling Favreau now? Oh, what's that? They're calling him the new George Lucas. <laughs> well, every you know, time that's what they're calling him. He, he's he has, that good. He has a very he has a light touch, but whatever he touches is not necessarily gold, but it's like it it's so well crafted. Well, he understands, he understands the mythology. Yeah. He goes into every project he does as a fan of that project. When he made his Iron Man movie, he made it as a fan of Iron Man. Yeah, because he loved the comic. Exactly. When he made Mandalorian, he made it as a fan of Star Wars. He did not think derisively of the fans of Star Wars the way like Ryan Johnson did, where he called them like man babies and they're yeah. all like fascists or whatever. No, he was like, I'm a fan of Star Wars. Why would I insult fans of Star Wars? You know, I'm one of them. So he went and he made a fantastic TV series. Um, it's uh, the first season just wrapped up. If anybody has Disney Plus, I highly recommend you binge it. I'm watching. I'm it's watching. fantastic. But I can't watch it on my TV. Do you have a computer? I do have a computer. Watch on your computer. That's how I watch no, it. I'm watching it on my on my, your fire. My fire. Okay. Uh, okay. I, I lay in bed before I go to sleep and watch. Uh, okay. A little bit of an episode or whatever. You then know? we'll talk about the baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a baby. It's not a... It's not really it's Yoda. Not Yoda. Yeah. They it's call it the else. child. The that child. That's what cool they call it. It's funny. Yoda. If you go on Amazon, you look up any listing for one of the, the child like plushies or toys or whatever, the listing always says like, 
the character fans called Baby Yoda the child. So even the, the listings have to call him Baby Yoda because that's what everybody knows him as. Do we even know what species he was? No. Did they ever say what species uh, Yoda, Yoda was? I'm sure there's a name for it. You have to go to Wikipedia to look that up. But uh, there's another Yoda creature that would appear in episode Yaddle. one called Yaddle, who looked like Yoda but with long hair. It's kind of weird. <laughs> and it was a girl. Yeah, it, was a, it was a girl. You couldn't oh, tell by okay. looking at it, but yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Transitions you know. I had. <laughs> Mark, and, Mark, thank you very much for coming I love it. on the show today. Tim, same to you. We'll thank see you. you on, Happy uh, New Year. On Friday Year. of next week, and maybe we can all get together for lunch maybe that day. Absolutely. Well. We can do Let's that plan happen. on it. Okay. We'll see you on uh, Monday. I'll be back, and we'll be ready to get on uh, with Robert Steinbach, the, the police officer. That had been had his job taken away here in Little Rock because he shot the guy through his windshield, has gotten his job back according to the court. They Just ordered him to be rehired and have back pay. We're going to talk about that for sure. Again, let me always remind you that God gave you a whole week of life. The least you can do is give him an hour on Sunday. It's Dave Ellswick show. See you on Monday at two. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs>